the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Emily. Hello, Emily. Hello. If anyone hasn't heard your voice before, they should, uh, because you were nice enough, nice enough to have John and I on an episode of your podcast, where we talked, oh my gosh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage, yes, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Great movie. It is. Yes, we had a great time. And so now we wanted to have you over here but mm-hmm. uh, on Blast From Our Best. But please tell us everything about you and give our listeners uh, a little bit of a catch-up on Emily Slade. Yep. So I run the Why This Film podcast. It's a nostalgic podcast about movies you watched when you were a kid. Um, so you guys brought Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990, I believe. 1989, mm-hmm. 90 sort of time. Mm-hmm. Um, great fun. We just sort of look back on the movies you watched as children. You give them a rewatch and then you look through. We've got loads of movies on there. Um, I'm British. I'm from England. England. Uh, <laughs> that's probably mm-hmm. why I sound a bit funny. Uh, I'm also drinking, so I'm a bit uh, Nice. <laughs> it, it is evening over there for you. Enjoy your glass. Of, uh, what what, uh, what wine are you drinking? Or what uh, grape? It's fancy. It's red. It's red. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. A red blend, maybe? I don't know. It's red. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sh- sure it's delicious. It's red and under a tenner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are doing an episode all devoted to what you wanted to do. And you, you wanted, like, the thing that you really wanted was the Mummy animated series. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll get, we're definitely going to talk about it. I'm going to ask you why that was such an important uh, cartoon for you when we get more into it. <laughs> um, but so because you are so passionate about the Mummy animated show, uh, we're like, well, let's go ahead and do an all Mummy episode because the first Mummy was in 1999, uh, and that kind of fits in with what we we watch and, and the times that we do. And then that show came out in uh, 2001, kind of almost not simultaneously, but kind of in conjunction with the Mummy Returns movie. Um, so pretty cool. I mean, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, so I was excited to get back into it. Mm-hmm. And I'll go ahead and say I never saw the Mummy animated show. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It's not really your age bracket, mm-hmm. but as I'm sure you've discovered, it's fucking excellent. So <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about. Yes, I was uh, 16 when when the, the yeah, Mummy cartoon came out, so it was just a little bit past. Yeah, for like the the kids WB stuff when that yeah. was in. I was in college, so I didn't even have yeah. television. <laughs> yeah, you go. I couldn't afford it. Yeah, uh, and then we are gonna recast uh, the Mummy movie. So, um, which actually most of the people from the Mummy movie, a lot of them reappear in the Mummy Return. So, kind of the, the Mummy franchise. Now, granted, there was a reboot of the Mummy recently, but that really wasn't exactly like the Mummy, like this movie. They right. were kind of almost rebooting like the classic Universal series, is what they were trying to do. Yeah, like you know, they were they're planning to do the Mummy, Frankenstein, all that kind of stuff. Planning until they wrote a shit movie that no one saw, and then they were like, oh, what happened? How has this happened? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> so we're like, screw this. You know, we want to make a new new one, kind of more similar to the the Mummy from 1999. So um, I'm excited to get into talking about that. I think I have a pretty killer ass cast. Um, if I may say so myself. You always do. It was tricky. It was the hardest thing. I went back and forth. I probably spent about an hour 
casting this because it, it's <laughs> I, I'm gonna say it now it it's it's already perfectly cast so yeah, uh-huh. it's on the understanding that these original actors die it's funny whenever like we put out there in social media any things of like oh hey who would you recast as this we always get a comment of don't recast it don't remake this stupid movie i hate you for even coming up with the idea <laughs> yeah. and it's just like oh my god just calm down people this stuff gets remade everything has been remade a bajillion times it's and true. it probably will in the future so it's just it's a thought we're not producers i don't have the money to do this <laughs> But I like to think about it. But uh, this one was fun for me, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. John. Yeah. How about you take us back in time, if you will, a blast from all of our past, and uh, get our minds set and tell us a little bit about 1999. All right. So the movie came out on May 7th of 1999, or at least that's when it came out in the U.S. Uh, The Billboard Top 100 single for that week, Adam, it's a great one, Livin' La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. Oh, great one. Is that what I mean? Yes. It's a, yeah. Okay. Imagine air quotes. Yeah, it is catchy as hell, though. It is catchy. I mean, it's not really a horrible song. It's just sort of like it's a little too cheap. It suffers from that sort of late 90s cheese. Yeah, there's it was, it's smothered in it. Suffers um, but, like works mm-hmm. with. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, it, well, yeah, you put cheese on most things and it's a, it's going to be better. How about that? <laughs> there we go. So there's, there's quite a bit of that. I mean, it took over the country i mean it really did it blew up hispanic and spanish and latino uh act uh voice people or voice people singers <laughs> <and stuff>. <laughs> voice <laughs> people who do things uh but yeah i mean that song was the start of just a huge amount that just blew up mark anthony uh enrique iglesias even j-lo helped really from that so yeah but it was all thanks to it was big over here as well that makes I sense i imagine that was pretty global Actually, it was, mm-hmm. I believe it was written by the same guy who wrote uh, Living on a Prayer for Bon Jovi. Oh. Nice. He was just living a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Uh, people who were watching uh, television were probably watching uh, the game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh. Uh, yeah. At least, the, at least in the U.S. The Regis, the Regis Filmwood version. Yes, back when it was primetime. Like, that was like a big deal. Uh, it then eventually became syndicated uh, with Meredith Vieira yeah. and was kind of moved to a daytime slot. But it was a huge, huge deal. Um, back in '99, they probably they probably hadn't had that that first million dollar winner either, and right. so it was still like it, it it was huge. Who hosted it in the U.S.? Uh, Regis Philbin. Regis Philbin, who was a talk show host. I mm-hmm. don't know who that is. We had Chris Tarrant. Li- live with uh, Regis and Kelly. Yeah, live I'm, with sure, Regis and, uh, I'm sure they had that this, over. Who was his first? Who was the first person that he had? Uh, Kathy. Yeah. Uh, Kathy. Yeah. No, no. Was that Kathy Lee? Kathy Regis Lee and Kathy Lee. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, it was a big old like a New York based morning talk show ho where yeah. talk sh- talk show where they didn't really do anything of importance but <laughs> <laughs> just talk to people. Uh, <laughs> topping the New York Times bestseller list was The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon by Stephen King. Not a b- I've read a good number of Stephen King things. I've never read that one. Yeah. Never heard I of it. Don't know it at all. Video game players were just uh, had just been spending a, f- a few weeks playing a video game that you and I talked about when we talked about our, our uh, top 10 favorite uh, nostalgic video games, or PC games, and that was Aliens vs. Predator. 
Oh, uh, yes. So this was a great video game, Emily. It, it was it was billed as the scariest game on earth. Where really? it came it came with a free pair of underwear because it was basically <laughs> like, yeah, you're gonna pee yourself. It's so scary. <laughs> that is such a '90s marketing ploy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. Get your bottle of Surge. And but then, nowadays yeah. they would just be like, it's really scary. So like, <laughs> film yourself doing it if you dare. That like the '90s were like, have some underwear because it's so scary. I gotta pee myself. <laughs> Fucking 90s. <laughs> I oh, love man. it. I love it. Um, and then the last thing I will say, and this is to kind of this is going to bring a somber note to it, but uh, unfortunately, uh, May seventh was just about two weeks after the Columbine High School incident. Oh uh, god! Which I remember very, very well because that was my senior year of high school. Yeah, that's intense. How how did that reach across the pond over to England? Like, was that as? I mean, it probably wasn't as um, intensive of a, of a cultural moment for England as it was for us. No, it, 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 it's definitely not as big because we had our own school shooting in Scotland and that was when mm. we just got rid of guns. We just got rid of guns. Mm-hmm. Easy. Um, <laughs> easy. Not so easy here. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot harder. Um, but no, we, we know about it. We know about bowling for Columbine. We know about it as like a thing. It's um, We know as, about it as a, a thing that influences a lot of things. Like we need to talk about Kevin, I, I believe is influence. It, it, it's like the school shooting, but we're also aware that America yeah. has like one every week. So, but, but we know that Columbine is like a one because the, they yeah, were yeah, yeah. normal kids who had planned it. It was the first big one to happen on a national scale like that, mm. mm-hmm. especially with the sort of global um, media that was going on at the time. Yeah. So I think that that's, you know, if we didn't have things like CNN, I'm not sure it would have. I'm sure it would have made national news, but I'm not sure it would have blown up like it did. Yeah. All right. That was let's 1999. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Let's uh, talk about. Uh, <laughs> woo, thanks, John. You really got me pumped up to talk about the mummy and all the guns <laughs> they use in that one. And this is yeah. going to be fun. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't make a difference to the release where, I guess because it's a different time completely, it's like four decades earlier that they yeah. were like, it's and nothing to do with, like if, yeah. well, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, fuck, how do I segue from there? Okay, <laughs> let's, 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 uh, yeah, let's uncover ourselves or unwrap ourselves into the mummy. How about that? <laughs> The Mummy from 1999, this film was written and directed by Stephen Summers. Uh, he also directed The Jungle Book, the 1994 live-action film. Uh, he also wrote and directed the sequel, uh, The Mummy Returns. He also did Van Helsing and G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, which I see a little fist pump on <laughs> Van Helsing uh, from Emily. It is an enjoyable film. Yeah, it's, it's, thumbs, it's a Thumbs way, way up for Van Helsing. Thumbs way, way down for G.I. Joe. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, music for The Mummy was done by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, I think the score in this movie is really strong. Uh, and Jerry way. Goldsmith, it's uh, we've talked about Jerry Goldsmith multiple times on our podcast um, between Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation. He also did music for Mulan, Small Soldiers, Explorers, Forever Young, Inner Space, Supergirl, m- m- just tons of movies. He's, yeah. a, he's a fantastic composer. And I wanted to call out the cinematography uh, was done by Adrian Biddle. I don't always bring up the cinematographer, but th- Adrian Biddle is a really good 80s, and up until he passed in 2005, and his last credit was V for Vendetta, so a great movie there as well. But he shot 
Aliens, Princess Bride, Willow, and then also Mummy Returns. And there's a big epic kind of look to a lot of this movie as well. And I think mm-hmm. it's very fitting. Agreed. Uh, the cast of this film, Rick O'Connell is played by Brendan Fraser. You might know him from Airheads, Bedazzled, Blast from Our Past, a movie that John and I really like that not a lot of people know about, uh, With Honors. I mean, I, I I love that one. Yeah, that's such a good movie. Yes, and then Encino Man. I want to call that one out because I liked Encino Man. <laughs> he played a caveman that got frozen in ice and he was oh. woke up and it, yeah. it, it's, it's not good, <laughs> but it is enjoyable. He will be, though. Emily, have you ever seen With Honors? I've not seen with honors. No, I've never heard of it. I don't actually know Brendan Fraser Mm -hmm. from, I know him from Scrubs and I know him Mm. from obviously George of the Jungle, which is how he got cast in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I did not um, bring up George of the Jungle. (laughs) I knew you didn't. And I was like, any minute now he's going to bring up George of the Jungle. Because it was seeing him in George of the Jungle that Stephen Summers was like, that's my man. That's my man that I know is not going to take himself too seriously. That's going to be able to play this action adventure comedy romance perfect movie and lead it lead this movie george of the jungle a gem i'm glad you didn't force us to watch george of the jungle so i'm gonna say (laughs) are you genuinely being serious because george of the jungle i genuinely think that movie is trash (laughs) (laughs) george of the jungle is so good it's so good it doesn't have a fault there's there's Godfather, there's Shawshank Redemption, no, and there's fucking George of the Jungle when it comes to Emily's films. Citizen Kane's George of the Jungle is up there, and I will not be alone in this opinion. You'll see. The comments will be filled with people agreeing with me. Oh, I'm I'm sure of it. Uh, all right. Evelyn Carnahan is played by Rachel Weiss. I remember her both, most from... Constantine, and then also mm-hmm. this franchise, um, Mummy Returns, Constant Gardener. She's been plenty of stuff. Fantastic actress. Jonathan Carnahan, her brother, is played by John Hanna. He kept on the franchise for a little bit. He was in the in the second one as well as the third one, um, which was the one where they fight Jet Li. What third one? There wasn't a third mummy movie. No, there yes, was gonna ma- there was gonna be a third mummy movie. Like there was gonna be a fourth Indiana Jones movie, and then some tragic stuff happened in those movies. Just never got made. It's a real shame. Oh well. Oh, oh is that it? Well, but they had, these, that one had Jet Li in it, though. Exist. The Emperor, uh, what was it, one? Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Uh, Didn't happen? Didn't happen. <laughs> All right, Emily's <laughs> mind has been, uh, you know, strategically White. blank spots in there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I remember John Hanna um, from the show Spartacus, which I'm a big fan of. I've talked, about, I've mentioned it multiple times if I see anybody on there. Uh, he plays Badiatis, one of the main villains in the show. He's a really good actor in that one. I thought he's fun in this one, too. Imhotep is played by Arnold Vosloo. Uh, he was also in the sequel, and then he was in that Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Hard Target, as well as two of the G.I. Joe movies, uh, Rise of Cobra and Retaliation. So um, he hasn't had the best career, unfortunately, but he's quite good. He's very memorable as the mummy. He is, and he was in that movie about a dog like called Roxanne or something. It's a kid's movie. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. No, no, when I think no. of Roxanne, I think of the uh, the Steve Steve Martin movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's <laughs> move. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to giggle it now. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then Benny Gabor is played by Kevin O'Connor. Uh, he was also in, with uh, another one by uh, Stephen Summers, uh, Van Helsing. He played Igor in that one. He's quite funny. Um, he was also in Canadian Bacon and Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh wow. Yeah. So some good stuff there. 
Dr. Alan Chamberlain is played by Jonathan Hyde, who I can't, I think we've mentioned him before, but he was the uh, the hunter in Jumanji, yeah. which was awesome. He was in Titanic, and he was the uh, rich guy in Richie Rich. Or he's the butler. I think the butler in that one. He's oh. in everything, and he plays a jerk in everything that he's yeah. in. <laughs> he does, yeah. He's like one of those yeah classic jerk face guys. Um, and then the last person I want to bring up is Ardeth Bay, who's played by Oded Fair. He was in the sequel. Uh, he was in multiple of the Resident Evil franchises. And then I think what I remember him best from, other than the Mummy series, he was the actual Bigelow yes. in the movie Deuce, Deuce Bigelow yes. Male Gigolo that uh, so Rob Schneider that. has to <laughs> Rob Schneider has to take over for. Uh, yeah, that's such he's a so good oh. that. <laughs> must make pee Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. All right. So let's start our uh, scene breakdown. We start off in Egypt and the narrator tells us about the city of Thebes, about Imhotep, the pharaoh and uh, Anxunamun. We see her and whoa, I forgot yeah. her get up or lack of get up at the like, the first scene oh, of her. Oh boy. She is 100% body pain and like a neck. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the, the, it. Exactly. A little Took lace thing on. hours to get into makeup. And I just got, I, I, when I watched this uh, yesterday, I got like a flashback to like 13-year-old Adam watching this. And I was just like, whoo, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Um, she's played by uh, Patricia Velasquez. Yeah. Who is Job's girlfriend in Arrested Development. Exactly. <laughs> Marta. That, uh, yeah, she played Marta. <laughs> she's funny. And exactly. That was the note I had. She's gorgeous. But yeah. Uh, and just also, she's quite good in Arrested Development. So. Uh, so anyway, her and Imhotep are having an affair, but no one is allowed to touch her because Pharaoh. Um, and so they assassinate the Pharaoh, naturally, as you would. But um, all his guards called the Magi come after him, come after them. And so Imhotep is, escapes, but Anxunamun kills herself, knowing that Imhotep has the power to resurrect her later. All right, that's our basic setup at, at the start. Um, Imhotep takes her body to Hamanoptera uh, while trying to resurrect her. We see some uh, some CG. Let, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the graphics in this film. I, yeah, I had it written down where I was like, it's not bad. And actually, with it aging, it still fits the tone of the movie. Like, throughout, mm-hmm. this is a point I'm going to make, that I think that whilst it hasn't necessarily aged well, it's still nowhere near as bad as like the Philosopher's Stone CGI, which if you go back and watch that, it's ghastly. This is like, I'll buy it as like the tone of this movie and what it's aiming for and the level that it's at. The CGI will timelessly fit into it as like a part of it, I think. I I mostly agree. Yes, it doesn't. I wouldn't say the CGI holds up um, because it doesn't hold up. It's not like... I don't know. It's not. It's not fantastic. Oh yeah, no. It's not Jurassic Park. <laughs> but at the time, it, it was solid CG for this movie, or just you know the, they had some big wide scapes that have a lot of definitely green screen characters and some mm-hmm. um, some dupe characters like that. And I can notice it now. But those aren't. They're not bad. Um, this kind of like bubbly, watery, soul looking thing isn't great. But it is again, yeah, not as bad as some of that stuff. You look at like what is it? The the ogre. Or whatever from the yeah, Chamber the, of Secrets. The troll with like, oh. Yeah, the troll, like, that <laughs> no. looks terrible. Oh. A lot of the stuff looks bad. But By the way, the, we, we don't know what the Philosopher's Stone is over here. We, <laughs> called, it, we called it the Sorcerer's <laughs> oh, Stone. Because Americans <laughs> don't know what a philosopher is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. 
Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like the and like the bubbly sort of purpley soul thing. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it and I was like, I can see that that's bad CGI, but also like, yeah. is it? Because maybe that's <laughs> what that looks like. You don't know because it's like a <laughs> mythical foreign body of uh, ideas and creativity. So like, hey, maybe that is what the afterlife looks like, like super yeah. old and bubbly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it works okay. It, it's um, actually holds up much better than the second movie uh, where it is one of the most notorious worst graphics in the history yeah. of film. Yeah. Um, and of course, I'm talking about the, the all CGI Scorpion King. Yeah, yeah he Dwayne looks Johnson. so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorcerer's Stone level. Beyond yeah. Sorcerer's Stone level. That's genuinely bad. That's why I'm like, in this one, they kind of get away with it. Even though you can be there being like, this sucks. It's not distractingly sucky. You're just like, haha, my modern brain has pointed out that that's bad CGI, but it hasn't distracted me yes. from the story. And I would say, you're in one little aspect about it, it sets up that this movie doesn't always take itself seriously, and so that it works out just fine. Um, all right, so the Pharaoh guards stop the resurrection, so then they take Imhotep and they torture him, kill his guys, uh, they cut out his tongue, wrap him in mummy garb, and they put him in a sarcophagus filled with flesh-eating scarabs. So that sucks. That sucks. And it sucks for the <laughs> actor. Like, I was watching it, and, like, I was like, oh, God, poor Arnold. Like, that's gross <laughs> and not a fan. And then I Googled it, and, like, legit, he was in those body wraps for, like, four hours having to film that scene. Like, oh. imagine your mouth is covered by bandages, your entire body is wrapped up. I can't have my feet tied together. Like, that's not a thing that ever happens in my life because I will, like, freak out. Uh-huh. And he's got his whole body, like, completely encased in bandages. And his mouth, and all that's showing is his eyes to show the fear. Like, that would method method acting like that's not yeah. acting that's true fear and like let me out kind of vibes i'm getting are you the kind of person because i'm the kind of person i can't stand tucked in sheets i have to kick them out and have my free yeah no feet. don't tuck me in don't tuck me in yeah. <laughs> don't cage me yeah okay so yeah. um we also get a little bit of dialogue that basically says if uh imhotep is ever freed basically he's going to be an invincible zombie which is dumb because like yeah why is and like don't get me wrong everything that i'm going to point out throughout this movie as like a bad thing is not bad at all and i completely forgive it and will allow it like how uh oh we've got imhotep in this flashback that we're literally just talking about we've got him and anatsu hamun has killed herself and then immediately it's like imhotep has somehow freed himself from all of the medjai and managed to steal anatsu hamun's body and taken it to the temple mm. and it's fine and we're not going to talk about it don't care Good, fine, on yeah, it. it just... Let's keep going. What's happening? Yeah. Come on, Arnold. <laughs> they, they kind of just blew past that. I mean, it does make sense. If they're going to torture this guy, and, and like they want him to be in forever you know, hellscape the rest of his afterlife, why do they give that ability to come back and become an invincible they, zombie just, by doing this yeah. this one curse? I don't get it. Like, like just, just fucking snap his neck, and then that's that. <laughs> <laughs> I get the wanting to prolong the pain, but then surely yeah. if he were to ever be resurrected, you would want the pain and infliction to continue yeah. in this Hellraiser vibe, rather than suddenly, <laughs> oh, and when he's resurrected because we hate right so much. <laughs> you, said, you said, I understand the need to like, torture someone completely (laughs) you're all like you just you gave yourself away there emily it's tradition (laughs) (laughs) but then to to grant him powers not only that powers that like have and like stop me if i don't know my bible but have the plagues of egypt been Mm -hmm. invented yet did seti the first come after moses 
Because he gets the plagues of Egypt as like a power. Do they exist? Is Seti yeah. the first a, a, a real a real pharaoh? He is I would have a real so. pharaoh. Is he pre or post Moses? A real pharaoh. He was born in thirteen twenty three BC, uh, and I'm just googling real quick. Moses was around thirteen ninety two. So Moses was before. Oh, okay, fair. So yeah, because the higher the higher number BC, the older it is, right? Yeah. I don't know. So Moses. Came or was born uh, 70 years before Seti the first was born. Fat. They thought about it then. They were like, yeah, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> yep, there. <laughs> that's, that's it. Now we cut to the early 1900s. Uh, we see these Magi guards are still kind of just watching over the, the town and watching over they the... They love that cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they do love that cliff. <laughs> they ride out every day. You gonna go to the cliff today? Sure, I'm gonna go to the cliff today. What else yep. have we gotta do with Medjai? What's literally our job to go to that cliff and see what's up? <laughs> so uh, there's a, a war going on. We meet Rick. We meet Benny. Who very quickly Benny runs from this fight. Um, we 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 get established very quickly his uh, type of characterization. He is so perfect. Yeah, he is uh, just a, a scaredy cat. He is he's only thinks about himself, and you know he has no real moral compass. We get a good gunfight going on here. The action scenes, you know, do a really good job mm-hmm. of just, you know, having that blockbuster action feel to them. Brendan Fraser, before this, he didn't really have too many action-y style things. George of the Jungle being maybe his only part way there. Uh, but he sets himself up as a really strong action dude, I feel, in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, at one point, he's about to get killed. You know, he's got all these... Uh, Guys going at him, and then their horses freak out because he's right by this statue of Anubis where Imhotep is buried, apparently. Crazy shit's happening. Sand's flying everywhere. We we get that really nice sand face. Sand uh, face! That happens. Yes. That, I mean, that is like the, the iconic. Iconic! Yes, Post like logo. <laughs> you're, like, you're a good hype man or hype woman, you know? I, I just say something, and you're just like, yeah, iconic! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about the mummy. I watch it and every scene I'm like, woo, woo, woo! More of that! That's right. So, uh, so he heads out. I do like that sand face. Like the, the actual look of it, really good design. It holds up. Mm-hmm. It really does. And it's also kind of reminiscent of the original mummy because I think in the same way that Pirates of the Caribbean became iconic they did a really good they had a really good choice where they were like we want to kind of resurrect this like universal monster to the point where he Mm -hmm. wanted to have the original universal logo the black and white logo at the beginning of the film chose not to has it in Van Helsing so it's fine Um, (laughs) and they were like we want to do the mummy but we don't want to have like bandages coming after people I want it to be like a threat like a humanoid action adventure romance comedy fucking nailed it Stephen Summers is a fucking genius I love his hybrid movies that he does like they're just perfect movies they're like Spielberg but better if I can say that that loud and I know they're not better but like also I love them because they're just such passion projects and this was such a good idea in the same way that Pirates of the Caribbean they were like we want to make a pirate movie and they were like pirates suck now nobody wants a pirate movie and they were like let's make them zombie pirates and everyone was like have all of the money and all of the sequels (laughs) the same thing sort of happened here the minute it got into cinema someone rang him up and was like we need another one and they went into production for the mm-hmm. mummy returns immediately and because it's just so good because they have enough of the old stuff and i feel that that mummy face is reminiscent of the old horror with mm-hmm. enough of the new stuff i.e brendan mm-hmm. fraser being super sexy 
in an outfit that no one else is wearing. <laughs> that There was no segue into that. You just, <laughs> just like, boom, Brendan Fraser's super sexy, which he does look good in this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. They good all dude. look good in this movie. I fancy yes. every single person in this movie. <laughs> I would agree. Every single person. Even even though the warden? <laughs> Omid Dijali? Yeah, Omid Dijali. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to him. Okay. <laughs> All right, we cut to Cairo. We meet Evelyn. Uh, she's this semi-nerdy, Juicy. clumsy kind of stereotype of, of uh, British girl. Um, she's <laughs> just kind of, that's she. That's how I think a lot of Americans just assume. Librarian wears glasses. Very, very beautiful and cute, but also just kind of clumsy and kind of a. But like know. super smart as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, you, but you, yeah, she's got the super smarts, but she and she's got the looks, but she uh, can't have the grace. She kind of <laughs> lacks the grace. Is, is only her one flaw. Can I just say, who sets up their library where their bookshelves are in a circle? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> who was like, we need this in a domino effect, just in case they would ever fall. I know. Which she fumbles a nice little ladder trick where she has to like, you know, she gets herself stuck up there and then all the bookcases fall down uh, and her boss is not happy. He berates her. And then they she hears some random sound. She has to go investigate. It's her brother really not giving a fuck about history at all. And just, <laughs> she's just throwing that, this this. If that was around. a real skeleton, and I only know this from the animated Sinbad, because Catherine Zeta-Jones looks at a real skeleton and goes, no, that can't possibly be real. It would be far too brittle, and then breaks it. Everyone knows what scene I'm talking about. And like he just picks up this ancient mummy and starts mm-hmm. waving it like it's a science skeleton from a high school. <laughs> it's like, that would crumble to dust in your hands. <laughs> what? Uh, also, get out of there! That scene legitimately made my son jump. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good horror buildups and use of horror in this movie. Like, there really, really is. It's, like, just scary enough and then it pulls itself back again, so you don't switch it off. Unlike Muppet Christmas Carol, which just went there, and then I had to keep turning it off. <laughs> what? You just get shit out Who of me. brought up Muppet Christmas Carol, I, Emily? You know, <laughs> it's relevant to the plot. <laughs> All right. I'm so glad we had you on. <laughs> yes, this is a good time. Uh, so, John, you did have your kids watch this? Yeah, we all watched it as a family. Very cool. And was this the first time that they watched it? Yes. <gasps> Wee. uh all right so yeah we've met the brother now uh he's kind of a kind of also an imbecile uh times but he's like a funny drunk vagabond almost yeah yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, but someone who probably grew up rich enough uh and that kind of thing yeah the sorry just to really quickly intersect the idea was that um evie and uh jonathan were meant to be the son and daughter of the man that found Tutankhamun's tomb. Oh, okay. Like Carter, I think his name was. The, guy, the like amateur Egyptologist yes. that uncovered Tutankhamun and then died of the like mosquito bite. But, oh, curse. Um, <laughs> they were meant to be his children. And that's why she's like, my father was a very, very, very famous explorer, archaeologist uh, person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she mentioned that. And then, yeah, I didn't get any more of it. So no, I'm just going to, all right, I'll just leave it be. That's on the novelization. Uh, <laughs> you've read that maybe <laughs> maybe uh, alright so he he has this little box uh, apparently that he got he says kind of from a digging thieves 
a Thebes. We recognize that it's this key from to Imhotep's sarcophagus that we saw earlier. She opens it up and she believes that this map and everything, it's, it's all leading to this mythical ancient city of the dead, Hamanoptera. They talk to the boss about it because he's a learned man. Uh, and then he kind of like accidentally burns the paper. And I'm like, ah, that's sketchy. What the hell's going on As a on kid, here? I was like, oh no, what a tragedy. As an adult, I'm mm-hmm. like, that actor is like, and rightly so, because you're meant to see him do it on purpose, is like mm-hmm. bringing them up over yeah. to the candle <laughs> yeah. and setting it on fire. And as a kid, I was like, oh no, how has this what? happened? <laughs> I fully believe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then they kind of go out there trying to, uh, Jonathan wants to get this guy that he got the the key from, um, who, who says he's been to Hamanoptera. And so there we meet Rick, who is in jail. A uh, great little scene where we meet him on uh, this kind of outside jail thing. If we find out that's who Jonathan stole the box from, he gets a nice little punch from Rick, which is good. A fantastic line I have to call out. Evie is like, You were actually at Hamanoptera. Yeah, I was there. You swear. Every damn day. No, I didn't. <laughs> I lo- love that line. <laughs> it, that really sums up the movie. Like, it just, it doesn't take itself too seriously, and it's so enjoyable. Yeah, uh, he forces a kiss on her, which is not as enjoyable as it should be. You Now you say that, it's funny, because he, I, I knew it was coming, and I was like, hmm, I wonder here in 2020 how I'll feel about this. Mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz have such chemistry and maybe it's because I've seen this movie so often that I forgive it, but I was like, mm-hmm. I get it and I'm okay with it. And usually <laughs> I'm the first person to be like, stop about that kind of yeah. thing. But this time I was just like, yes, he's going to die. She's Rachel Weisz. I was saying, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Rachel, Weiss, I she, Rachel Weisz was in front of me and I knew I was going to be dying. I'm fucking oh, yes. Like, are you joking? Yes. <laughs> She's yeah. juicy. Um, she, yeah. She's juicy. Yeah, I, I haven't heard that before, but I That's like That's what it. my film studies teacher called her when I was in A-level and we were looking at a poster of her and my film studies teacher was like, Rachel versus Juicy. And I'm like, that's the perfect word for her. I've got a question. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is A-level? Oh, uh, so you'll be about <laughs> 17. It's the two years where you finished high school and you're going into university, college, uh-huh. but it's called college. So college is two years, and then university is your college. It's between 16 uh. and 18, where you do two years. Yep. Oh, we're, we're looking at you blank. <laughs> <laughs> Our system is just set up a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah. Never heard that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to us, college and university are interchangeable words, basically. Yeah. 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 So... The warden, can't, what was his name again? You knew it. Omid Jali. Omid Jali. Uh, That's the actor's name, a right? A British comedian. Uh, I think, yes. Yeah, yeah, that guy. He is a funny guy. Um, but yeah, the, so the warden of the jail, he has to make a deal, or Evie has to make a deal with him, basically, because Rick said he'll take her, but he has to, she has to get him out of, from being hanged. He's about to be hanged. So at, at the hanging, she's trying, she's trying to bid up. And whatnot, and then I kind of seen. I forgot that they actually start the hanging of him. Yeah. Yeah. You see him drop, and it's just like, whoa, shit! I kind of forgot that you act. And they stay on that shot. It's a wide shot, they push and you it. see his body. Yeah, they push the stakes, and and Brendan Fraser is genuinely choking as well. Like mm. he nearly died on set because they were like, "Oops, <laughs> sorry." <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a bit. I kind of forgot. I mean, it was well done. It looked very good, and it added to the stakes of oh shit, she needs to. Yeah, get they him out do. Of there. They get you. They push you right to the edge of your seat where you're like, oh no. Never once do you manage to sit back and be like, that'll be fine, because they do <laughs> enough that and enough people mm-hmm. die. Spoiler alert. That <laughs> you're like, oh shit, like stuff's happening, and it's fine, mm-hmm. and like people need to actually escape some real peril here. And yeah, he's he's yeah. dangling by his neck. And he's and Omid Jolly is like, oh no, his neck didn't break. I guess now we should yeah. wait for him to suffocate. And he'll just like fucking hell. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Omid- I mean, yeah, it adds to all the pressure. Uh, eventually. Uh, Evie tells the warden that you know, hey, this guy knows the way to Hamanaptra. You can have a split of anything that we find there. That's what gets him to be like, all right, cut him down. So uh, we're going to get off onto the journey. We start off. I do like that the warden says like, hell no, I'm coming on as well. Uh, you know, you're going to he, he's he's a little bit of comical relief to mm-hmm. add, even though we've already got Jonathan as some comical relief. The warden adds a bit of that as well. Definitely. So. And I couldn't I, I couldn't figure out where I had seen him before. And I realized he's the slave trader in Gladiator. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that might oh, I be. Didn't, I didn't know that. He, I didn't know that he was in Gladiator. You may also recognize him from Mamma Mia Two. Here we go again. <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Sorry. Abba is just not that big of a thing here. Oh, no, really? we don't. I really no. don't care about Abba. <laughs> Bold words. Yeah, we said this story before, but we went to in 2018. We were at a, a, our our stepbrother's wedding in uh, Portsmouth, and there was like a good. 45 minute section that was set aside by the DJ that was all ABBA yes! and you you literally saw every European come out on onto the dance floor every American went and took a seat because we're like no! what the fuck is this and were you not listening to it and like what is this oh it's like gold for my ears this is the uh, greatest thing ever they want you oh you don't do Eurovision because you're not in Europe we don't know no. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing no, I've seen I've seen your vision. I know exactly what I missed. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild now. But all right, I do know that they won like back in the seventies. Yeah, they won, they won the with years. Waterloo, and yeah. people had never done a dance routine before, and they did a dance routine. The dance routine consisted of them standing back to back and and moving every now and then. But hey, <laughs> to so. be fair, if you put a gun to my head and asked me to pick my favorite ABBA song, I probably would pick Waterloo. It's a classic. Yeah. Uh, all right, so while on this boat heading out, they meet some of these other Americans, this other group that is uh, also heading out for looking for Hamanoptera. Um, we find out that they are also led by someone who had been there as well. It's Benny, that uh, <laughs> that little that little pansy. That little scamp. Yeah, the scamp. Scamp. I like Rick and Benny's dynamic. It's really nice. You get a really kind of tough dude with Rick and a real complete opposite in Benny. There's something about their relationship that's still so grounded and uh, genuine, for want of a better word. Like, he's like, that he convinces Benny that he's on his side. He's like, <laughs> and Benny believes it. He's like, oh, brilliant, I've gone away with it. And then the best thing happens where he's like, goodbye, Benny. And chucks, and him, just overboard. chucks him overboard. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, all right, so we see that Evelyn is just a little bit enamored with Rick. She can't get that kiss out of her head. Man, I wish I could make Rachel Weiss just think that much about a kiss from me. But <laughs> anyway, Especially so since she's married else? to 007 now. She is. Oh yeah, yeah, she's married to Daniel Craig. Psh, I could be 007. <laughs> I mean, shit. 
I can't. I'm fucking. I'm nobody. That 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 scene where Daniel Craig comes out of the water in Casino Royale or whatever it was. I I can't do that. I'm not that good looking. I mean, I wish we can do that, but nobody wants to see that. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> Blah, you know exactly. Uh, all right. Let's move on. The Medjai guards uh, sneak on the board. Uh, they're trying to get the map. They're trying to get the key, basically to stop them from going to Hamanaptra. Uh, a whole bunch of fighting. The whole boat gets whole set on fire. That's all madness. A full body burn. They have a full body burn, full- <laughs> which is very <laughs> old horror. It, I mean, it, I feel like I see that all the time, uh, but it is. It is all kind of action we, and horror we stuff. We do now, but I, I really like mm-hmm. it, and I, I watch um, a lot of stuff where someone was like, this was the first time they ever used the full body burn, and it was in, like, the black and white The Thing, and mm, I just remember being uh-huh. like, wow, man, imagine someone coming to set and being like, look what I can do. Set myself <laughs> on fucking fire for your movie, for your stupid movie. I'm setting myself on fire. So whenever I see it happen in a movie, I'm always just like, wow. I would never do that, mm-hmm. even for a movie. Um, I also really like, and I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I, it must be the colonialist in me, but I really like <laughs> that sort of setup of um, Brits versus the US, and yeah. like especially yeah. in the sort of 20s, that um, there's that, I really like it because it goes both ways, where Jonathan comes around the corner and sees all the yanks, for want of a better word. Um, right. Is that mm. offensive? No, no, oh, not really. Good. It means nothing to us. My granddad used to say it to refer to Americans as, so I always assumed it was, like, racist because, like, it was my granddad. Um, I'm sure it's intended that way, but we don't take it that way. (laughs) We don't take it because we won, so it doesn't matter. We don't... So. And he's like, and he sees them like shooting out, like like they're in a movie, and he's like, "Ugh, Americans!" Yeah. But then, of course, they immediately save his life, and he's like, "Yes, jolly good show, chaps," because that's how we speak <laughs> yeah. over here in jolly old Britain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that's a good scene, a good good action scene. Again, um, you know, they do a good job of mixing action comedy and and keeping the pacing. These different action scenes that we've had is helping the pacing of this movie kind of keep moving along. Definitely. So. Everybody jumps overboard at the end of this whole madness. Uh, I do like that they're in this river. The good little the yelling back and forth between Rick and Benny, uh, where you know Benny thinks he has the upper hand. Hey, O'Connell! It looks to me like I've got all the horses. Hey, Benny! Looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. It's just yeah. Again, their dynamic. It, it does seem genuine. They don't really. They don't like each other. Uh, but they don't they don't hate each other either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. It's it's like friendly banter almost. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the group gets some camels. Uh, we see some more sexual tension between Rick and Evelyn just in general. They kind of keep uh, peppering that in throughout the movie because, you know, that's, that's what we want. Which I think is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not an all of a sudden. Now, granted, you got you started off with that passionate kiss. So it was like, whoa, okay, that came from nowhere. Uh, but then you just kind of linger on that stuff and kind of keep letting you think about it and then kind of keep seeing, like, fuck me eyes from Evelyn to Rick, that kind of <laughs> stuff every now and then. And that's that's what we're getting here. That kind of like, okay, you know what? At first, Rick is a bit of a dick, but I kind of hope you're kind of starting to root for this relationship just by this little bit with each each little scene that they're showing us. Definitely. All right, so they all head out. You know, get a little montage of them. You know, going through the desert, and eventually Benny and his group and Rick and his group get together, and they're waiting for this basically a, a, a light, a sun illusion to to show them the way to Hamanaptra. I love the little race scene that ensues with it. So lovely because they so easily could have just turned up at Hamanaptra and just been like mm-hmm. done, journey over. But they were like they met together, so they were on equal grounds again. 
they instigated it as a race. So it was a little bit of an action scene. You've also got character work in there with the relationships between mm -hmm. Rick and Benny coming through again and Rick and Evelyn coming through and you get to see more of Jonathan's character. And just the beautiful visual of like, look, you can only find the way to Hamanatra when the sun rises at a certain point in the day and it reveals the path. I just thought it was so imaginative and creative when it could have easily have been not that at all. Uh, in case anyone is curious, the uh, top speed for a horse is 50. 55 miles an hour at 40 miles an hour though you don't think camels can run 40 miles an hour uh but that's their top speed now granted not at, not even at one point the horses were ahead of the camels I which say, i thought was a bit bullshit i'd have assumed that the camel could run faster than the horse because that's what i see in the mummy 1999 yeah and take yeah <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I, I was hoping for a little bit better reality where the horse started off first but they're maybe they're gonna tire or their hooves aren't set for sand like camels and then the camels come and take them at the end but no the camels were they were at the front and stayed at the front the entire time which i just thought was strange because everyone else has horses and they're way behind but, but the camels have the main characters on them so yeah true <laughs> uh so they which they make it first uh evie and rick make it first so they kind of win their little side bet which is cute uh, and then everyone kind of gets digging into hamanoptra evie and her group have this separate spot from the others and you know they're kind of like okay what's going on here they end up entering this underground room they get to the the legs of the anubis statue which is where she believes the book to be that she's looking for to be. The other group ends up coming there at the same time, just from a different route, and we get a little standoff. I love the little standoff here. Again, comical, you get a little bit of pressure. They're all pointing guns at each other. It's it's good, but uh, Evie alleviate, alleviates the situation by realizing, all right, they can do a different route to, to get what they need. While they're going this different path to try and get to where the book is, the warden finds some jeweled scarabs, and he kind of pops them off, and you know, it's just kind of creepy. Okay. Let's just, that's a little setup that he's found some, some cool looking uh, jeweled scarabs for now. After announcing, I hate yeah. bugs. Yes, after <laughs> announcing he hates bugs. <laughs> and you're like, oh, there's some bugs that run into jelly. It's going to happen. Oh no. Also, can I, I wonder I just, what's happen. can I just highlight that mm -hmm. Rick stole um, a like uh, diggers, yeah, one digging of the Americans yeah. like kit for Evie, which is like the most mm -hmm. romantic thing ever. If you want to get me some paintbrushes is so that... I can dig up an archaeological <laughs> site in ancient Egypt, then... I will marry you. <laughs> for anyone listening, that is an outstanding open uh, <laughs> invitation for anyone wants the key to Emily's heart. Literally. <laughs> yeah, it's a little digging uh, archaeological set. So find it. Uh, all right. Then kind of out of nowhere, uh, while they're kind of trying to go up into the, the legs of Anubis, this big old sarcophagus drops down, luckily not killing anyone. Yeah, so close. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, that scene of the sarcophagus mm. dropping it legitimately made my daughter laugh. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. So much for some reason she thought it was hilarious. It he is was hilarious. Like, he's like he was like fake golfing with the with the yeah with, with the, the like rubble. Chis yeah, the chisel mm -hmm. or whatever, and then it just drops down behind him and he doesn't really react like you think he would. And for some reason she found that hilarious. It is. It's perfect comic timing. Simultaneously with this, those jeweled scarabs, uh, one of them pops open and it's a real scarab that then crawls inside the boot and then crawls inside the skin uh the graphic doesn't look all that great but it's kind of evolution style yeah oh the that movie yeah the, when the he sean patrick or the sean the bug in him okay i haven't seen evolution in a long time but anyway yeah so it's like eating him from the inside it's kind disgusting. of it ends up going into his brain it's so gross. Uh, and that's a it is very gross that wasn't a scary thing because bugs are kind of gross in general but like knowing that there's one that might 
you know, could Burrows. crawl up into you like that and then burrow through and, like, you and then get to your exist. brain. they do exist. Like, 100% children in, like, regions of Africa will be dying this way. And, like, it's completely I, horrific. <laughs> but, yeah, perhaps not in such a fantastical sense in that you've popped jewellery mm-hmm. out of the wall and then they've become a scarab beetle <laughs> that'll burrow into your flesh. But, ew, 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 ew. My, my notes literally say here, blur, ew, bugs, scream in capitals yeah <laughs> yes uh so it gets get into his brain he's gone nuts from it obviously as anyone would he ends up running headfirst into a wall and he's dead so brutal so let me ask you do you do you think that that happened on accident or do you think he literally tried running into the wall to kill himself to knock the brain knock the that's out of a brain? really interesting point i always mm-hmm. when i was a kid i always saw it as like oh no, he couldn't see where he was going and he smacked right. into the wall on accident and killed himself with instant brain injury. Now I'm an adult, I'm much more tempted to go through the like, oh, Amanda Jolly wanted to kill himself because the bug was so nasty yeah. <laughs> kind of route. I, I lean towards the accident as well, but it could, <laughs> it could have been either way. At night, the Medjai attack everyone. More action stuff, there's end up being a standoff and the Medjai give them all one day to leave. There are some iconic, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but you're missing some very important aspects of the movie, including some wonderful quotes, which I don't realize how much this movie affected me until I watched it last night. And I was like, I based my entire being (laughs) on a combination of Evie and Rick O'Connell. Like, I literally did. Rachel Vice stands up, she's wasted. Am I skipping ahead? Oh, no, no. I was just about to go in towards that, that scene. It's, it's a cute little campfire scene where Fucking Evie gets it. drunk. More more flirting. But yeah, please call out some of your favorite quotes. Uh, what is a place like me doing in a girl like this? You're wondering, what is a place like me doing in a girl like this? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I thought that was so bad, cheesy. <laughs> I saw. So uh, I was like, oh, come on. Uh, you know what? I get drunk. I, I don't say things like that. I know, but Are it's, you sure? it's, it's because you... Nah, no, not, I don't, not, maybe I don't not think I'm drunk. Evie gets drunk. That's the thing. I don't think she gets drunk. And yeah. she's doing that perfect thing where her brother's gotten drunk and passed out, but she's the perfect person. So, of course, she's not passed out yet. Yes. Give it two seconds. Yeah. Um, and just all of the sort of like, I may not be some sort of explorer or action hero, <laughs> but I'm proud of what I am. I... Am a librarian. She was a Hermione Granger before Hermione Granger really existed. (laughs) She was like, I am cool and sexy. I get this guy to marry me and I get to discover these wonderful artifacts. I'm interested in history. I speak several languages. I'm smart as fuck. And I was like, how are you not an icon to generations? And the truth is, she is. She's so perfect and i mean that in a good way because usually when i say that about women in film it sucks because men were just like and there's also a woman and she's perfect the end but she (laughs) has enough flaws she's annoying and she's frustrating and she takes her anger out and she stands up for herself but she's young enough and she's like good enough at what she does she's 29 and both her parents are dead like Mm. i'm 28 neither of my parents are dead touch wood and like it would suck if they were (laughs) And like, so, you know, they've been through some stuff. She's got the slave up. I love her. I love, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell. I can tell. I love Uh, AVA. All right. The next day, uh, Chamberlain's group, Chamberlain is the, uh, the professor kind of looking guy, that dude, and him and the the American group, they find this chest. It says 
that uh, a zombie will kill anyone who opens the chest. Of course, you know, Benny freaks out. He leaves. And they open the chest. Freaking idiots. <laughs> so. Freaking Americans. <laughs> yeah. Rick and Evie and Jonathan, they open up the sarcophagus, uh, which is still, uh, in their words, juicy. Juicy. I don't know if it's juicy the way uh, Rachel no, Weiss is juicy. It's a very different type of juicy. This is corpse juicy and like Rachel uh-huh. Weiss is like luscious lips juicy. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. And the Chamberlain group, they find the Book of the Dead in the chest. So they're all excited about that. Evie, kind of in her rebel ways, she steals the book at night and she opens it up and she reads from it, which, uh, oh shit, this sets this whole curse in motion. I love it. I love it that she's the one because she's so smart. and But her thirst for knowledge is her downfall because she brings the all but last plagues of Egypt and yeah. uh, reanimates uh, a fucking mummy. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if I'd call it her thirst for knowledge. I mean, it's kind of, yes, she's still, she is clumsy. We're still seeing that, oh, yes, she's very book smart, all this kind of stuff. But like the person who toppled all of those bookcases, she's clumsy. She just jumped into stuff without thinking. That's I mean, because Chamberlain, Chamberlain woke up and he knew immediately, no! don't you fucking dare read from <laughs> the book. Don't read from the book. No. You must not read from the book! I love yeah. it. He's brilliant. He's such an underrated character. Like, yes. because he's been so stupid this whole time with his pussy umbrella. Like, <laughs> fuck off! Everyone else is dealing with the Egyptian sun. Like, put your umbrella down, you woman from the 18th century. And, like... <laughs> but he's... he's And he's there and he doesn't run when he should have done, when they all open the the Mm -hmm. things. Because he's also interested in stuff, but he's still trying to open the book, but he doesn't know how. But he would never have read from it because that's dumb as hell. Um, And yeah, Evie's like, I'm going to read because I can, so I'm going to show off that I can read. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, she she, Um, she does love that. And he, oh, my God. Yeah, and just the sort of gravitas that he brings with the don't read from the book, it's chilling. And then when he's, it like, is. covered in grasshoppers later. Uh, well, yeah, so so I want to get the mummy awakens. Yeah, all this this shit. We get a sea of locusts that come, you know, one of the, one of the plagues. That shot of him where he's just by himself covered in the locusts and he says, What have we done? What have we done? Is so cheesy, like bad. No, kind I find of movie. it chilling. I find it perfect. It's, it's like it's like you almost don't want it in the trailer because it's too good for the trailer. It's just mm-hmm. it like it's like, and we're opening the next chapter of this movie. Like shit's going down. This character is like, and the way he says we, he doesn't blame it on anyone. He's like, we are all responsible for this. We chose to come to the city of the fucking dead and thought nothing bad he could, would he could easily blame Evie right so now. So easy, because it's 100% her fault. But also, <laughs> is it? Because, like, they were all there and, like, they were all part of it and they took the jars and, like, if they hadn't taken the jars, a lot of the movie wouldn't happen. If they hadn't taken, if if they weren't there, Evie still would have made it to the book. She would have opened it. She would have read it because she still wanted to read it. She still would have set a world into terrible motion. Now, granted, they, those Americans and Chamberlain are the ones who are now, you know, going to get eaten basically by the mummy uh, as opposed to Evie and that crew. Uh, so that's the one, that's the one benefit of them being there. So our heroes can now not be worried about yeah. that and they can help save the world. So in trying to escape it, all of this madness, one of the, those Americans who did open up the chest, his br- glasses end up getting broken. Oh my God. And he gets uh, his eyes and tongue scooped out by Imhotep. 
um, which we, we see in a bit. I love to hate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You wear glasses. Do you wear glasses? No. Mm-mm. You wear glasses, though. Take your glasses off. Are you now blind? Have you forgotten how to walk? No. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm he not does. really blind. I just can't read small print right now. Yeah, I just, yeah. it's a little <laughs> little bit shifty, but like, ultimately, it's I like fine. how you I actually took your glasses, glasses off, John. This guy loses his glasses, and I, because Velma Dinkley used to do it all the time, and it used to piss me off, because I'm like, you don't sink to the floor and then and be like, I'm entirely <laughs> blind. I've forgotten how to use all of my limbs the minute your glasses get like broken or dropped or trodden on but he acts like that and i get it it's a trope and like it fits the tone of the movie and i love to hate it because i love it but i think it's fucking stupid i mean and you see you see him earlier his lenses aren't like these super mr magoo sized lenses you know they're normal so he would still have some kind of either um near or farsightedness in there but Whatever. You're right. It, it was pretty sick. My, my glasses. <laughs> I fucking hate it. And, but it's so good because it allows us to have these blurred lensed horror, yeah. tense buildups of like, the mommy's gonna get you, mommy's gonna get you. It is, exactly. It is. Um, that sets, up, sets us up for... You know, we could have had that guy die and just get his skin sucked off and all that kind of shit off like the other stuff. But seeing what the mummy is going to do to you, what Imhotep is going to do to you, and when uh, Evie runs into him later and he has no tongue and he has no eyes, like that is much creepier than just seeing the the, the corpse. And I love, I love, I love a good like turn to camera and scream and you don't get to see what they're looking at. Like I want to do that in my acting career. I want to turn to camera and be like, ah! and like they cut away to something else and you never see what I'm looking at. The thing that bothered me here was, all right, so he took this guy's eyes and took his tongue. How come the mummy doesn't need glasses right now? <laughs> They're the same bad eyes. What the fuck? I want that. I want that version where Imhotep has yeah. 1920s glasses. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, he, he specifically took the guy with the bad <laughs> eyes. And yet he doesn't need the glasses at all. I don't get it. Oh it doesn't make God. any sense. Of all the people he could have taken the yeah. glasses from. Yeah. I assume once he starts, spoiler, consuming other people, the, they he gets like triple sure. vision or whatever. But like, yeah, let's, you're let's, right, let's, right let's, now he's... And like, it would suit this... It wouldn't because Arnold Vissou took it on the understanding that he would play it completely straight. Mm-hmm. It was Romeo and Juliet to him and he's playing it seriously. And it worked so well for him to play it so seriously because he is the villain. But my God, if he had to like scrabble around and pick up the glasses and be this like walking corpse yeah. <laughs> with some 1920s <laughs> with glasses. glasses on, exactly. I want it. Someone do fan art of that. I need it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so Rick busts in, uh, sees her, sees uh, Evie right after her big old yell and sees the mummy, shoots him with a shotgun, he, which he thinks uh, is, you know, <laughs> don't worry, I got, got him. I, yeah. so, I, I'm really sorry to keep interrupting. There's so many parts of this movie that I absolutely adore that you just wouldn't see in other movies. I love when the buildup of her being like, oh, thank goodness you're here. I was so frightened. He's got no eyes and tongue and it's very scary. And then she's backed against this wall and he's just scrabbling around like, I can't see, I can't talk. And she doesn't scream. She doesn't faint. She doesn't cry. She's not your 1920s mm-hmm. heroine. She just very quietly pleads. She And it's terrifying for her to just be like, 
please help me, please don't leave me. Like, it's so mm -hmm. frightening and it's such a good choice of Rachel Weisz. This is why she's so perfect for this role. It's just such a calm reaction that's much more chilling than if she was like, ah, oh no, it's King Kong, ah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, all right, so Ardeth Bay and the Medjai guards, they're kind of waiting outside. You know, basically, he warns them all that they're, they're fucked. <laughs> I told you so. Yeah, I told you so. Benny is still in the tomb. He runs into the mummy. Ah! And this is a good scene where, you know, he starts praying in different languages. He's got these different necklaces with different uh, religious Such symbols. Such a great bit of physical comedy. It is, yeah. He gets to the Star of David on his neck and he starts speaking Hebrew, which Imhotep recognizes as uh, the language of the slaves, I think he says. Uh, and he's like, okay, I think as a mummy he decides that he can use benny you know as his um you know as his slave basically to do whatever he needs to help help him get his thing done at the at a hotel rick and evie again have some more kind of sexual tension yelling at each other <laughs> little stuff i mean their sexual tension is comes in different types some of it is enduring and oh i think you're really cute some of it is we're yelling at each other i'm gonna i'm gonna do some grade school i'm gonna poke you because i like you that kind of thing um it kind of goes back and forth and so she wants to stay uh, to fight the mummy, which he's like, fuck this, I want to get out of here. But he's going to stay, of course. Benny brings the mummy to finish the job on the one eyeless, tongueless guy who got out of there, luckily. And so that happens. That guy, poor, that poor dude, he thought he was talking to some guy who was going to help him out, and he just got, he got wrecked. <laughs> it's so great. Benny is such a great character because he's majority comic relief. Mm -hmm. And then when he wants to be, even when he's trying to be funny, like uh, the blind guy goes to pour a cup of tea and knocks the kettle over, and Benny's like, oh, oh, you poor thing. Let me help you. And it's chilling again. And like <laughs> the fucking mummy taking his like scary mask off to be like, it's me, it's the mummy. Love it. I absolutely love it. And I love that because they probably, this is the thing, uh, another little pinpoint I'll say about this movie. The fact that they couldn't afford or didn't have the ability to do as much CGI as they perhaps wanted to is a real plus for this movie because if they what they would have done is they would have shown you shrinking the people and eating them alive and shit like that but instead we get to use silhouettes and we get to use uh, cutaways and we get to use other people's reaction faces rather than uh seeing them do that and it's it's much better it's much better horror it's horror is what you don't see and there's a lot of that in this movie purely because they were drawn back by the physical effects and i haven't seen the 2017 version because i refused to but if i did i'm sure that they would <laughs> do the opposite and be like we can show everything and that's better because this is a visual yeah. medium and like sometimes it's not and this movie has that perfect mixture of like we're gonna use some cgi but like not all the time so like it's fine mm -hmm. yeah well said uh, all right, so the curse is still going on, going crazy. We see getting different plagues, liquids all turning to blood, fire and brimstone coming Can down. Can you imagine drinking blood? Oh, yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> they shot they shot blood, and then they spit it out. Gross. Yeah, very irony. Yeah, like coppery. <laughs> coppery, yeah. <laughs> yeah, coppery, yeah. Uh, all right, so we also kind of see with each person that the the mummy is consuming, and he's getting stronger and more, more human-like. You know, he's looking more human, which is good. And I would say he looked okay when he was just the mummy, and he looks obviously really good when he's full-on Arnold Vosloo. The kind of in-betweens where he's got, like, the CG tracking onto his face isn't as good as some of the others. I can kind of tell it pretty obvious. I like it. But it's still not, it's still not bad. Yeah, it's yeah not bad. I know what you're saying, but again, I it's because I can't fault this movie. I, I fundamentally refuse to, yeah. but <laughs> I just, I... 
I was aware of it. I was so aware of it watching it, but I was just like, I, it fits. I yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. Even well, in like a hundred yeah. years time, people are going to look back on this movie and be like, for some reason, because he's like an ethereal mystical being, it works for him. The con the concept is great. I love the concept. It's just like the the graphics execution is a little bit tougher for me when it's when it's full CGI. You can kind of believe it a little better, and then obviously when it's full human, you believe it. But when it's like that mix, the uh, my eye kind of catches it a little bit um, more than normal, and so I'm just it's like, a bit jarring. Eh. yeah, a little bit jarring. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, kind of randomly, we see he's still afraid of cats, and he's going to be afraid of cats for just a little bit. We go back to the library owner. Uh, he's with Ardeth Bay. He's apparently part of the Medjai. So now this explains the whole reason. Oh, he wasn't being a bumbling fool uh, and lit on fire. He totally, absolutely meant to light the map on fire, trying to stop them. Hundred percent. And we also find out that the mummy, much uh, like a much like Emily, <laughs> has fallen in love with Rachel Weisz. <laughs> why would you not? Hundred percent. Why would you not? Give me one good reason why you're not currently in love with Rachel Weisz. Especially in this movie. She, she just, because she started this whole curse? Because she started a no. curse that's going to doom all of humanity? Not good enough reason. Just be there alongside <laughs> her, ready to fight whatever comes at you. I adore her. All right. Yeah, I I like it. I'm here to just be devil's advocate because I love this movie and I forgive everything that it perhaps mm -hmm. doesn't think about. If you genuinely thought Rachel Weisz and her brother were going to go after Hamanapcha, like imprison mm -hmm. them. <laughs> like, if it's your yeah, sacred duty of 3,000 billion years <laughs> to not let this mummy be resurrected because for some reason you've gifted him the power of Christ, like, fucking don't let this idiot girl and her stupid drunk brother go after it if you have any suspicion. Like, you failed yeah. here, sir. You failed here. He he agreed. You know, he could have like, done many different things. You had one he job. <laughs> Yeah, he knew that they had that key. Uh, you know, they knew they were finding some guy. Like, he knew all this stuff, and he yeah, he did not. But at he, the same he, time, awful. Let the movie happen. Yeah. Love it. Yes. On it. So, with it. Yes. All right. <laughs> Rick. Rick heads out with Jonathan to find Chamberlain, who they find. They find Benny at his place instead. The mummy now gets the book uh, and Chamberlain. And so now he's even more powerful, and he's got the book of the dead. So he's growing stronger. Great scream. Great off off yeah. screen scream. From Chamberlain there. Yes. And your sister. But other than that. Now the guy, one of those Americans who also opened it up, like they're just getting picked apart one by one. Um, the one who was watching over E.E., he gets taken. Uh, you know, he's sucked out now too. Imhotep then go in and creepily kisses so creepy. on... Uh, yeah, so because like, why does his another, mouth... another unwanted kiss, but this one's not as good. <laughs> why does his mouth disintegrate? Well, I mean, yeah, his exactly he had it, but then it became like the the partial mummy mouth. Can you imagine waking up to that? Can you imagine waking up to a, a, a mummy that you've resurrected, kind of in human form? Because there was a line that I'm so glad was cut because this would have made me lose my shit, especially in 2020. There was a line where when she first sees the mummy properly reanimated as Arnold, she goes, um, "Oh, he's really good looking," or "Oh, he's really handsome," or something. Uh, but it was cut from the final movie because it's like. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah, you don't. But like, that. you wake up and you fucking have that gross. Like, is she getting sand in her mouth? Because like, that, I draw <laughs> a line at that. Well, like, I it's will not have. Dry. We, we, we established that the mummy was still juicy, and so it's more of probably like a like a wet wet thing. Wet, you know, a, wet yeah. sand is possibly worse than dry sand. <laughs> not sure. Would have to do a poll about it, but sand. Is I hate sand. It's coarse and rough, and it yeah. gets everywhere. 
I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Well, one of the worst lines in. <laughs> but I don't it's know, true. I blanked those <laughs> movies from my memory. So. Like that's the trouble with that line. It's a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Evie thinks, or uh, Rick busts in. He's got a cat. Scares Imhotep away. Evie thinks that if they can find this other book, the Book of Amun Ra, the Golden Book, uh, it'll have a way to kill Imhotep. Uh, but right now, Imhotep, you know, he's got a whole fucking city's worth of boiled zombies. Uh, look, guys with boils on their face, shit like that. Imhotep. <laughs> I only say that because the entire fucking time that I was trying to watch this movie from start to finish, my dad was just in the corner on his iPad going, Immortal. Immortal. <laughs> so annoying. That's you got to have a dad that bugs you, right? Isn't that, isn't that a <laughs> rule? The point of dads. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this whole city of zombie people are going after... Uh, Rick and that crew, they get in a car to escape, and they're, so they're starting to head out. But the last American who had opened up the ca- uh, the chest uh, gets pulled out and taken. And so now Imhotep is at full strength. Hell yeah. Oh, fuck. Sexy, or sexy yeah. Imhotep. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he is good looking, isn't he? He is. He is weirdly. a good looking dude. He's a good looking dude. Take yeah. that, Bainbridge scholars. <laughs> So uh, at one point, the crew gets all eventually like surrounded by this group, um, and Evie decides to go with Imhotep to save the others. Oh, so noble. So heroic. So noble. <laughs> so brave. So Imhotep doesn't kill him there, but like, you know, he walks away and he immediately is like, yeah, okay, zombies, go go attack them anyway. Yeah, and then she's like, no, let go of me. And you're like, Rachel. She's naive. <laughs> um, but they, they escape via a sewer, uh, but the... Uh, old librarian Medjai guy, uh, he tries to buy them some extra yeah. time. I mean, I he didn't buy them enough time. He could have, he would have been worth much more because he's got a good knowledge base. If he'd gone with them. He could, he, he only killed like two or three people. Just go with them. No, Shut the th- sewer thing. Like I'm glad you agree. I've literally got here tragic waste of death. Like I understand that you probably were like, hey, another person needs to die at this point. Um, we have no more use for this man because we want to give all of the everything because it would just be too easy if he went with them basically um, more than anything. But also I was just like, and maybe it was the not to have not to come for the cinematography or direction at all, but maybe it was the way it was shot, where it just it, as you say, like it feels like he's like go go on without me. Usually when people yeah. say that stuff happens that's like worthy, yeah. he just walks into the crowd. He does. He, he like, heads towards yeah. them. He was right by the fucking sewer, and Literally. he was like, "No, nah, okay, peace out, guys. I, this is it, I want it, to it die." It was right very now. like Man of Steel, where Kevin Costner's like, mm. "It's time in the script for me to die now, so I'm gonna oh, die." Oh, I now. hate that. Hate that scene. Fuck that scene. And you're like, what? <laughs> it makes no sense. He's one of the worst dads, and I mean, I like Kevin Costner, but that character, yeah. Don't save me, son. Because then people will know Superman exists. Which is no way because there's a tornado going on and it's madness. No one is staring at you. Not the world is not all about you, Kevin Costner. No one gives a fuck staring at you. It's very much that. I was like, that was dumb. 
Yeah. And that's that what I got to say about that. Uh, Rick recruits this old World War One vet who... Captain Deathwish! Yes, Captain Deathwish is exactly... He wanted to go out... He, he was upset that he didn't die in the Great War. Uh, he wants to <gasps> go out like, like a hero. so fucking dark. Like, we're introduced <laughs> yeah. to him back in the hotel when they're, like, sipping blood. And he's literally... It's almost throwaway. It's, like, establishing shot, and he's walking towards the camera being like, and all my friends got to die in the war, and I didn't, and I'm <laughs> sad about it. And that's literally his character, which is really great, because then when we meet him, we're like, hey, it's Captain Deathwish. You want a Deathwish? We got a Deathwish for you. So it's wonderful, and he's a great character. But it is super dark if you think about he's, it, where it's he's like... He's a character. I don't want to live anymore because I feel guilty that I survived all of my friends. And, like, it's just snuck in this movie, and you don't even really have to pay attention to it if you don't. But I did this time around because I'm an adult now. Well, that that adds a little bit of depth to him. Other than that, he's just, like, this old, you know, drunk vet kind of Kind of pointless. Guy. Like, again, they could have found an aeroplane and got it to work. I, I would have believed that Rick knew how to fly yeah, a plane. Yeah, I absolutely. believe that. But it's kind of nice that they give this actor a job and add yeah, a little yes. other <laughs> so. element. Because also then what it does is it Star Treks us. They're very good at Star Trekking us. They're like, it's the main cast plus someone to die. They're very good at that in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they fly out, uh, fly back to Hamanaptra. Imhotep also heads back at this time. The mummy, he sends this big wall of sand towards the plane. A good little another little action scene going on. Evie, actually pretty smart here, distracts Imhotep by making out with him. Man, that's one lucky mummy right I there. I <laughs> love as well, like, kudos to everyone in this movie, because, like, there would have been a lot of CGI, not nearly as much as you get nowadays, but enough that it might have been a bit weird for actors that were used to practical sets. And Arnold is stood on set being asked to, like, okay, we need you to open your mouth like you're engulfing the plane in sand. And we need you mm-hmm. to do it like a hundred percent seriously. He, yeah, he does it. He goes, he goes <laughs> like all in on that scene where he has to like do that. But it, but it looks good, and, it and looks the way like, it's cut it together, yeah. it looks chilling, and it looks effective, and it looks great. But as an actor, I know because I'm so bad for this, which is why I'm a terrible actor. I'm so bad for being <laughs> like, oh, cringe, and like I wouldn't give it. A, well, I would, but like I'd feel weird about giving it like a hundred and ten percent, which is what he does because you're just standing there with no sound in the middle of the Sahara Desert, like opening your mouth really weird to try and make it look like, yeah, it's just well done. Mm-hmm. Well done to all the actors involved. <laughs> uh, the uh, old World War One guy dies in this, in the plane crash. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. No big loss. I, I don't <laughs> he was really here care. to die. He literally he was here, exactly. into screen going, I wish I could die. So if anything, yes. we did him a favor. <laughs> Yeah, well, he had a smile on his face, so, you know, you're, we're, we're all happy he went out. It's sad, though, as well. As a kid, it, there were certain points where I would, like, be really sad because, you know, I was, like, a teenager. And that was one of the points where I would cry because I was like, that's sad. Did he did he land in quicksand or was that Imhotep that sucked up his plane? Like, why did the plane, Suddenly. just the cabin, not the rest of the plane, go yeah. down in? I, I don't I understand that part. Because it looks good. It, yeah. Is the script is so. that the script? The script is telling us to like and it's like a nice death for him to be like bah, 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 like disappearing in, into but the sand. Logically, I didn't get it. Covers covers up your tracks. 
Back in the tomb, uh, Jonathan gets attacked by a scarab, so it gets actually in him, uh, which is uh, pretty scary. Rick cutting it out and shooting it with a gun ultimately lets Imhotep know that they are also there as well. So he sends some of his old zombie buddies, some of those old priests that we saw at the very early on. Uh, off to after after them. He just like it's just the very simplistic magic of this movie where Imhotep's like I hear a noise, picks up some fucking sand, <laughs> blows it at a wall, and it's like come to life, my friends. And they're like, what up? I'm like a really cleverly designed sort of CGI, but also kind of practical effects zombie man who's yeah. like your gold priest from the flashback at the beginning of the movie. What's up? And you're just like, this movie is great. <laughs> So they're running. They get to this big, big room. And maybe out of the entire film, I will believe there was a curse with a mummy who's come back to life. And he's brought his old priest friends and they're chasing them and all this zombie shit. I refuse to believe that Rick shoots that mirror and it just lands <laughs> perfectly to like light up the whole room and get all the bounce. No! That is bullshit. Rick is perfect bullshit. and he learned that from Rachel Weiss. It's a learned- yeah, He learned the trick he learned the trick that all that, but like he shoots it and he knows it's gonna get on the exact trajectory. Plot and payoff! Plot and payoff! <laughs> He's good at maths, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, I get you, uh, but also I'm like, ooh, pretty. Um, yeah. What I like in this scene is that John Hannah sprained his wrist and has a huge fucking cast up to his elbow randomly. I saw that. It's completely yeah. not the twenties. Well, because I, 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 and I, and I, on top of that, when when Rick dug out the scarab, it was in his shoulder. Not in his wrist. So why the hell does he have this whole because, bandage because thing John going? Because John Hannah sprained his fucking wrist. Like, it literally, the actor got hurt. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. no one will notice. It's fine. Yeah. And they put this huge black, like, cast yeah. on I his fully entire wrist. I thought maybe, I was like, well, maybe they wrapped up where the scarab went in or but something. No, this or- is the thing. Uh, like, my entire life until I was on IMDb at the same time going, I see you, movie. Uh-huh. Um, literally until yesterday, I either wouldn't have noticed it or been like because scarab beetle makes sense <laughs> yeah because scarab just, beetle because like, like, yeah. this movie like doesn't even ask you to forgive it you just forgive it the, the credits roll and you're like i'm about to forgive you dear lord hear my prayer i'm about to forgive the mummy 1999 for any plot hole mistake <laughs> worry trouble that they come across because fundamentally it is perfect amen all right so we get a lot of still actions things going on the zombie priests are coming after rick and jonathan who is anyone else with them or is it just them or is artist artist is, is kind of with them at this point too the medjai man the medjai man has been like i'm off to die according to the original script but i'll be back because yes. i'm too handsome to die <laughs> yeah yeah exactly he did go off to he does uh basically do another sacrifice himself um moment but yeah we i know i'll see him in next movie so uh all right uh imhotep is a pre- preparing the resurrection and rick and jonathan find the golden book we get all this stuff where uh imhotep's kind of moving forward another soul kind of graphic stuff we're going in but jonathan interrupts the resurrection and now in imhotep goes kind of like after him to try and get the the golden book. And so that way he cannot really be stopped. At one point, Jonathan ends up on accident awaking these even scarier (laughs) 
zombie guards uh, who are like have some they're, they're like the old Medjai, I guess, guards or something that are now attacking everybody. And the mummy of Anaksu Namun is now coming after Evie, and it's all it's that's a scary such little mummy. A great fight scene. When I was watching it, it felt like I was watching a really, really, really good. I'm talking like becoming part two episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was like, <laughs> this is so well choreographed and it's so well thought out. And I just really love it. Like, there's so much happening. Everyone's got that little demon to fight. And it just, it's such a great little fight scene. Like, as I say, everyone's, like, paired up with their, like, perfect little versus person. And it's exciting and there's a lot going on. And the stakes are really high. And I love zombie Anaxuna Moon. Because um, they could have mm-hmm. easily got that actress back like they do in the second one. Um, but they chose to make her, like, a gross mummy. So they, again without probably realizing and meaning to, homaging the original Universal Horror Hammer movie. Um, but, and it's scary as well. And, like, it's funny. and it, oh, It's perfect. Yeah, it is good. It's good. Uh, the way I, I like how you put it, everyone's got their own different um, character that they have to worry about right now. Uh, Jonathan does eventually finish the inscription, and now he controls the badass guards, and he sends them and they to kill Anksu Namun, uh, which is actually really heartbreaking for... Um, Imhotep, which you see in his eyes, like he loves this girl and or this this zombie. But at the same time, I'm like, well, he can just resurrect her again. Like, why is it all that big? She's not even like fully alive right now. She's just kind of like a, another zombie mummy thing. Can he just resurrect her? But I guess still, even so, you don't want to. He doesn't want to see his love die. Yeah, again. it's and in in the exact same way as he saw her die before. As well, that's the that's the horrible, beautiful, wonderful imagery where they've got like the mirror image of her silhouette st- being stabbed mm-hmm. in the stomach again. I was just like, I get it, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was well done. Uh, Rick fights Imhotep. Evie eventually gets the golden book and she unleashes this ghost thing to take Imhotep's soul. Uh, so now he's mortal, and he kind of doesn't really know this at this point and he kind of just kind of walks into Rick's big old uh, sword and now he's dead. The big old well, sword that again. he used in the flashback at the beginning of the movie to kill Seti the first. Oh, this movie cares. Oh, yeah, that's, I didn't I didn't realize <laughs> that. Or they that didn't is, have uh, a big budget and they just reused props. Either yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> Same one. Well, I, I I, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, all right. Benny tries to take out all this gold and stuff. Um, he uh, ends up setting off while he's doing it. He sets off this whole temple-wide crumbling trap thing. As they're trying to escape, Benny ends up getting trapped in. Oh, he does this, like, Indiana Jones vibe. Just a really, really... I've got a um, a big old note here that says, Acting when Arnold is dying. And it uh, is! Yeah. Like, he's <laughs> acting his little socks off. He's doing such... As he's, like, blah, 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 blah under the water back into the underworld he's like you can see it in his eyes he's like what have i done why did i do this i miss my love like it's just pure like i was mm-hmm. just like this movie almost doesn't deserve this level of acting he, he does a good but, job like here it is and that's why it's great i would say he became one of like uh, you know one of the stronger villains of like the the late 90s early 2000s with this character yeah and considering this character i don't know i haven't seen the original but i assume this character was just a a a a body of bandages before now. Yeah, this is not. I don't even think it was. You know, it's very thing. loosely based on the old Universal Mummy thing. It's not. You know, they they had a lot more depth to it. Mm. So, 
So Benny dies. He gets his uh, his death scene, which we are all waiting for because he's kind of been like that. Nasty little men like you always get your comeuppance. Yes. Always. <laughs> he gets his comeuppance and uh, scarabs around him and his uh, torch goes out and, you know, he's, he screams in pain. It's terrifying. It's so yeah. scary. The, the room is getting smaller and smaller as the walls like Indiana Jones themselves and the light's getting dimmer and dimmer and the scarabs are getting more and more. And like... You know mm. he's going to die, and you know he deserves to die, but part of you has mm. loved this character so much because the actor is just so <laughs> charismatic, and he's been such a force of comic relief throughout, that you are still like, I know you deserve to die, but I kind of don't want you to die. And it, like, you know, in nowadays, he wouldn't die, probably, because mm-hmm. they would want him in the sequel. Yeah. It's yeah. good that he dies, and he dies in such a brilliant way. Essentially off screen. Yeah, exactly. Rick and Jonathan and Evie escape. Um, Hamanaptra is destroyed. And somehow Art of Bay survives. He's just kind of there at the end. He kind of pops up like, oh, hey, just so you know, I survived that whole, you know. I'm alive. Yeah. By the way, I'm so good looking. Uh, zombies can't kill I'm me. I'm so good looking that I literally went against the original character design, which was meant to be head to toe and tattoos. But I was so hot that Stephen Summers was like, do not cover that man in tattoos. He's yeah, too attractive. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. And uh, Rick and Evie share a passionate kiss. And as they all kind of head out into the desert, the movie ends. So, yay. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go into our final thoughts. I'm curious if I want to, I'm not sure if I want to save Emily's or, or we already yeah, know. Yeah, save how- Emily's for the end. <laughs> all right. So let's do John, John, then me, and okay. then Emily. Um, I was already a big fan of this movie. I loved it uh, when it came out. I watched it a lot when I was in college. It was one of my go-to DVDs. Um, especially because I didn't have uh, television at the time. So I unsurprisingly, I love this movie. I realize it's cheesy. Um, there are some of the CG effects that bothered me, but overall, most of the stuff I had no problems with. Actually, most of the ones that bothered me had to do with the mummy himself. Well, all the other ones I had no problems with. So I don't have too much to say. I really enjoy the film. I always have, and and I love it. Uh, I I Very similar, in line with you. I hadn't seen this one in a good while, um, but rewatching it, I really enjoyed it. It was fun, silly, actiony. It's not a thinker movie. I don't really need it to be a thinker movie, but there are some depth moments in there. You know, like I feel bad when uh, Imhotep sees, you know, his the love of his life die twice. I feel, you know, that there there's some there's some moments there in talking with you guys about it that made me think like, okay, there's even more to this film than I remember, um, even watching it again. But you know, this thing it's a solid, fun action comedy blockbuster. You know, very similar into the lines of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, stuff like that. I'm totally interested in watching the sequel. Like, I, I want to see how that one is, see if it holds up. I don't think it will hold up as well as this one, but I am kind of curious, and so hopefully I'll, we'll get to that one eventually. Even though I know that Scorpion King CGI is coming, I still am kind of curious <laughs> about it. So, uh, yeah, I had a really good time with this one. Um, probably not as good of a time as Emily did, I can tell, but <laughs> it was still it's still fully enjoyable. So, Emily, how about you uh, grace us with your last uh thoughts my wise words of wisdom this movie is perfect it is i have a rule about movies where they're either like a friday night saturday night or sunday night movie this movie you can watch any day of the fucking week because it's that perfect 
it covers, as I've said, every genre known to man, which is brilliant. Why would you not want a movie that is all genres? Mm. It has something for everyone and something for nobody. And because it, it's perfectly cast, it's funny, it's smart, it's creative, it's imaginative, it's cute, it's nostalgic, whilst also being progressive. It's not dated, it's not offensive I maybe I don't know like come for me and teach me if you think it is but I don't (laughs) believe it is it's so enjoyable I will be shocked if you don't like this movie even on just some like random sub level where you're like yeah I seen it and it didn't like offend me like you can't I can't imagine anyone ever passionately hating this movie or finding this movie boring or stupid or like, <laughs> it's just so good. And it made me fall in love with Stephen Summers as a director, which is why I love Van Helsing, which isn't as good as this, unfortunately. Even The Mummy mm-hmm. Returns isn't as good as this. This was like lightning in a bottle. It was just the perfect mix of everything. They nailed the cast, they nailed the cinemat- cinematography, the music. Everything about this movie is just great. And it's just great for all ages, it's fa- It's pure family entertainment. It's the perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that was a robust breakdown. Uh, and now let's move on to something that I can guarantee won't take as long. Let's talk about the Mummy the Animated Series. <laughs> it won't take you long because, spoiler alert, every episode is the same episode. <laughs> The Mummy Animated Series, uh, this aired from 2001 to 2003. It had two seasons, 26 total episodes. It was uh, basically, it was kind of a retool, uh, or in the second season, it was retooled and renamed Mummy Secrets of the Magi uh, for the second, for the final season. Yes, trying to just kind of get it some differentiation. It was uh, an animated series produced by Universal Cartoon Studios, loosely based on the series of the same name. It premiered on Kids WB in uh, in America and uh, just overall on the WB Network in September of 2001. And the Mummy Returns movie came out in May of earlier that same year. So it was kind of in conjunction with that one. It starred Alex. uh, So Alex O'Connell was voiced by Chris Marquette. He's... Done some uh, some other voice stuff. He was in the show Fillmore that not a lot of people know, but some people do. Uh, and also done some uh, live action acting as well in Joan of Arcadia, Barry, some other things. Uh, Rick O'Connell was voiced by John Schneider. He was Bo Duke yeah. in yeah, The Dukes of Hazzard. Um, he had uh, reoccurring parts in Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman and Smallville as well. Imhotep was voiced by Jim Cummings, who we keep bringing up Jim Cummings because he is a one of the best voice artists of a of a generation. He's honestly, everyone, yeah, he's awesome. Um, Evie O'Connell was voiced by Gray Griffin, who was Daphne in Gray Delisle. Hmm? She's Gray Delisle professionally. Oh, it says Gray Griffin on IMDb. Mm. She, has, she was credited Griffin as Gray Griffin Delisle. on the game the or in the in the show. She's credited as Gray Griffin. Fair. I love her regardless. <laughs> but it's the same woman. She it's was, the same woman. The same woman. Okay. Uh, she was just the voice. She's done been doing the voice of Daphne in Scooby-Doo for uh, like 20 years. She also done in multiple Marvel shows. She does the voice of Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel. And she had a reoccurring character in Avatar The Last Airbender. I was like, if you don't mention that she's Azula, I will come for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Avatar. Uh, so I, it's on I, Netflix I, I only, and Prime. 
Get on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> John, I only added it because I know John is a fan of it and he's seen it also. That's why. I've seen it. It's good. It's brilliant is the word you're looking for. And then the last person I want to mention, uh, Jonathan Carnahan, is voiced by Tom Kenny, who we've mentioned a few different times. Great voice actor. I remember him heavily as Heifer in Rocco's Modern Life, but most everybody knows him as SpongeBob in SpongeBob mm-hmm. SquarePants. No way! Yeah. Yeah. So he's a great voice oh actor. Oh my god! You know, even though I just named some really strong, top-notch voice acting talents right here, when I watched the show... I did not really think the voice acting was all that strong. Um, I didn't think the writing was that strong. It's like no one really brought their A game. You know, like this, this whole, this show, I'm not going to have much to talk about here because I only could get through one episode and I was like, well, this is shit. <laughs> it was utter piss and shit. Like the animation wasn't anything good you know i wouldn't call it terrible but it's not a particularly strong animation i don't think it really holds up over time yeah i said like the voice acting the writing was just eh, nobody brought their a game onto this one and so uh, I-, I was pretty disappointed when i watched it and you know i don't have a whole bunch of things but like this show it didn't last all that you long you were disappointed you mean you had actual like aspirations and hopes for what was clearly a cash-in yeah, I did. Well, yeah. I mean... You were like, these people have done this to make money. It must be good. I grew up in the time of, you know, a lot of 80s and early 90s where cartoons in. were only made toys. to sell toys. That's a good and so it's point. like, well, we got, as we John and I have mentioned on your podcast, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's to sell fucking toys, pretty yeah. much. Um, I mean, no, granted, it started off as a comic book, but, you know, that's really where they do some of that stuff. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. See, I grew up in the, in the like, late 90s, 2000s, where um, mm-hmm. everything was like, let's make fucking money without trying yeah. or caring. <laughs> so we got all of the Disney TV programs that were coming off the back of the Renaissance movies that then got their own TV shows. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of this kind of bullshit. Like, my Saturday morning pretty much consisted of Disney's Recess, The Mummy, The Animated Series, Disney's Aladdin, Disney's Lilo and Stitch, Disney's Hercules, and, like, poor, poor animation style, nobody caring, nobody trying. Jackie Chan Adventures, though, they were where it was I like Jackie Chan Adventures, yeah, yeah. But, um... The Mummy in the Animated Series, I freaking loved because I loved The Mummy. I loved that Evie O'Connell was, they'd made her like ginger. I was like, cool. Yeah, they did. I'm on it. I'm like 11 and that's all I care about right now. And you're right. You're absolutely correct. No one is trying. No one cares. And yet, I didn't have the X-Men Animated Series. I didn't have Thundercats. I didn't have I didn't have mm. these epic, cool, thought out. I didn't even have Avatar The Last Airbender. I didn't watch that as a kid, which is thought out and like political and like driven. This this is the same story every episode. Every episode. It's mm-hmm. uh, okay, we're in a place and we're gonna do some stuff. Oh, Jonathan and Alex, the kid, have gone off and done something. Oh, no, Imhotep's here. Where have you been, Alex? I've been so worried. Oh, Imhotep's here again. The end. (laughs) And that's every single episode. Every single episode. It doesn't help that the Mummy Returns suffers because the kid exists. (laughs) And that's what this is based on. Mm -hmm. But you know when you're that age where you're just like, I like the same thing over and over again. It's comforting Mm -hmm. and it's nice because I'm like seven and I don't care. So bring it. 
it was that and like watching it it was nostalgic so it definitely had that for me um but it is by no means good but I enjoyed okay. it because I remembered it more than anything. And I was like, I like that my characters that I love are now cartoons. I mm-hmm. I was like, they are not British people. They have not cast British people. And then I looked up the cast and I was like, <laughs> no, they are not British people. And you can hear it mm-hmm. because she says things like, that was the one thing as well. Watching it now, I was like, that's an American being a British person. Because yeah. <laughs> as good as it does sound, and it does sound good, she gives herself away so many times where she's like, a bath. And you're like, mm, no. <laughs> uh-huh. Especially like Evie. She's like Cambridge. Like, come mm-hmm. on. <laughs> John, how how many episodes did you end up watching of this Okay, one? so I only watched one, but Fair. it was only because I could only find one. What? They're all on YouTube. Okay. I only found one on YouTube. I couldn't find any of the other ones. Oh, YouTube's might mm. be different as far. So I could only find the one. So I don't now. If they're all the same, I don't feel bad about only seeing the one. <laughs> they are. I all exactly I didn't the same. hate it nearly apparently as much as Adam did. I didn't think it was great. I was able to sit through it okay. I didn't think the animation was all that bad, honestly. Um, I've I've mm. seen worse from more modern cartoons. Oh, so. definitely. Oh, I would agree. I've seen a hundred percent worse. I've just also seen better. So I didn't think it was horrible. I, but I, I, I didn't feel so bad. I saw one. I was like, eh, this is probably the gist. I think I saw the, the pilot episode, the first one, but I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great. I don't think it was as bad as, as uh, Adam makes it out to be. Well, it, it was John. It was that bad. <laughs> All right. I'm just um, really critical. I mean, it's, it's, you're, as you're I mentioned wrong, everything about but it, like, okay. yeah. one of the, one of the things that this one really could have had, uh, which I think all 90s or, or you know, whatever, any car- kid's cartoon needs to have is a strong theme song. And this one, the theme, the opening intro was just bad. It began in ancient Egypt with an evil high priest named Imhotep, who possessed the scrolls of Thebes and sought to steal the manacle of Osiris. They would give him the power to make the world his own. Fortunately, he failed. Three thousand years later, the manacle was rediscovered, but something went terribly wrong, and the mummy rose again. Now the race is on to find the ancient scrolls, and in the balance hang a young boy's fate and mankind's future. It was obviously oh. Jim Cummings' voice as a narrator with some like music esque kind of music behind yes. it and trying to set up so stuff. So out of everything it just, it you've did... just said, what's mm-hmm. bad about that? Okay, so people that are listening, I love Jim Cummings. Need to not listen to that and need to listen to the Mummy opening because it's great. It's basic like setup. Um, other than Jim Cummings, who is awesome, the intro is crappy. The music isn't catchy. It doesn't get me into it. It doesn't make me feel that this is a fun adventure that I'm about to go on, you know, that, that is, has humor and, and action, which the money, the mo- the movie certainly should have. This is just like, here's a thing. And then, okay, I got a thing. And I was like, this is a crappy fucking thing. No, no. <laughs> you imagine it's 2001. What have you got up against this? Not fucking much. I can tell you that. So... <laughs> You've got this thing that's suddenly like, mm, in ancient Egypt, the priest Imhotep has been resurrected because <sighs> some shit's going to go down. Bah, 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 bah. 
No, see, that's, that's the so thing. Good. They don't do the music. They don't do the music of like the. They just the music's just kind of like chill behind it the entire time, and it's like, well, that's stupid. Fucking, I was like seven, but like, and then when I rewatched it, I I didn't like like, it. Yeah, Eh, rather eh. than like in comparison, we had very very safe programs. This didn't feel safe in comparison to a lot of the programs that we had in two thousand one onwards. So maybe that's why I was like. This is where it's like, ah, this is like the bee's news. <laughs> because it, oh. in comparison to everything else we had, and stop me if I'm wrong, British, UK, 1998 to 2006, children's TV watches. But uh, <laughs> this felt exciting in comparison to most of what we had available to us. It was like the story of Tracy Beaker. Uh. Or the fucking mommy animated series! <laughs> like, it was great. <laughs> That's the thing. All right. I guess Americans are just used to a little bit more excitement on our yeah, Saturday I morning Yeah, I mean, cat. you all grew up with fucking He-Man and, like, cool mm-hmm. shit like that. So, like, shut up. You come here and try and <laughs> deal with, like, the Queen's Nose and Shoebox Zoo and yeah. then come back to me. <laughs> I've never heard of any of those. Yeah. Time. Up. Sounds like I'm happy. <laughs> to be All fair, right. I, that's, I did a dirty on Shoeboxy there. I fucking love Shoeboxy. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I have nothing left to say about this show. Emily, do you have any other things that you want to mention? I like a very small paragraph, and most of it's taken up with Grey Delisle. <laughs> uh, I liked that they had the introduction of this character, Colin Weasler. He was like a sort of Wesley mm. from Buffy. He was sort of a, an amalgamation between Benny and Alan Chamberlain. Yeah. He was a, a new character written for the series. I liked him. I thought it was cute. I liked, as I say, I liked the character designs. I didn't like how Rick suddenly became like a non-character um yeah they did him a dirty there like the whole reason i love the mummy it's that um wonderful rare movie where you have equal footings of male and female lead Mm -hmm. and they kind of gave it all to evie which i'm not against but by sacrificing alex became he they were trying to yeah, tie in like the kids, yeah. you know, because kids like seeing other kids. No, do they shit, don't. So. Like that's a fucking lie <laughs> that TV people will tell you. But it, like, no one was rooting for fucking baby Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> no, he was annoying. As much as they were rooting for like Han Solo. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, see. Tell us what you guys think. Uh, do you know? Are you nostalgic and you love this show no matter what, like Emily, or do you see how what a piece of trash it is, like Adam, <laughs> or? you kind of right in the middle like John. So let us know. <laughs> this episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Count Chocula and Frankenberry Meat. <laughs> the Fruity Yummy Mummy. Hey, have a bite. <laughs> It's new Fruity Yummy Mummy cereal. Big. Yummy marshmallows. So monstrously big there. Monster Mellows. With Yummy Mummy Monster Mellows. Fruity Yummy Mummy makes your tummy go yummy. <laughs> Monster Mellows in Frankenberry, Count Chocula, and now new Fruity Yummy Mummy cereal. Part of this complete breakfast. Makes your tummy go yummy. <laughs> All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be recasting the Mummy movie. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, most of the sort of main characters. We're going to be recasting Rick, Evie, Jonathan, Imhotep, Ardeth Bay, Dr. Alan Chamberlain, and Benny. So we'll kind of work backwards from that list. Uh, we'll start with Benny, and I'll kind of start us off. 
Um, I had a little bit of a hard time with this one, as I've as uh, as I've ought to do in a lot of these castings. Um, if someone's going to be from a particular culture, I do try to find an actor from that culture who would work mm-hmm. instead of having to basically, you know, kind of whitewash the situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, for this one, I think I picked a, an actor who is good, and I well, actually, I don't know. Maybe I I worry that maybe he's a little bit too of a Big actor, but he's really not. Um, he's only done one really big movie recently, um, and that was the role of Aladdin in the live-action Aladdin. I picked Mena Moussad mm. as my Benny. Is he Hungarian? Hmm? Benny's Hungarian. Is that actor Hungarian? Oh, no. See, I, I assume I didn't know Benny was supposed to be Hungarian. I assumed he was he, I, assumed I only he was knew Egyptian. that because I looked it up because I did the same as you uh, where I was like, I want to okay. try and be decent, and then I wasn't. So. Okay, well, then no. Then my Benny is, is Egyptian. That's fair. That's still valid. Uh, that's a good-looking Benny. They're going to have yeah. to uglify him yeah, up a little bit. Yeah, I haven't he's seen the live-action Aladdin. I don't know what that guy's like, so I can't comment. I'm assuming he's shit because he was in the live-action Aladdin, but that's just me being me. <laughs> you know what? It actually wasn't as bad. Um, okay. I, mean, I got that. From, I got that from a lot of people who were like people who who saw the live action, uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast, and were just like, yeah. oh, this is horrible. And then the, the general consensus for the Aladdin one was it was a good job. You know, it, it wasn't was like amazing out of it. It was just it was a good job. Mm. It, you know, it was fun. It was fun. It's exactly what it was. That's fat. That's what it needs to be. Uh, all right, uh, Adam. Why don't you so. Uh, so Emily can finish chewing yeah. her food. Uh, why don't you go with yes, your next one? <laughs> All right. Um, I, I didn't want some. I wanted someone who is comical because uh, Benny is definitely comical. I've never seen this actor be like a bad person. He's always kind of like a some comic relief, but a sidekick, kind of like almost innocent, nice guy in the things that I've seen him in. But I don't know. I think he could do it well. I didn't stick with the Hungarian <laughs> or Egyptian thing of Benny. Um, this actor is Indian, I believe, uh, or I think of Indian descent. Um, but I, I know he's got comic chops, and so that's why I specifically wanted him for my Benny. I'm with Karin Sony, who is Dopinder in the Deadpool oh. movie. Nice. Oh, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. He's kind of got like that, you know, that skinny kind of look to him yeah. where I still think he could kind of come across as as a similar style to what um, Kevin O'Connor did. But yeah, I- I'd like to see him give that a shot. Amazing. I like that call. Okay. All right, Emily. I was the same. I really, really struggled with Benny because he felt so much like he was written for Kevin O'Connor that like I found it impossible. And right up until two seconds ago, I was just going to be like an unknown <laughs> cast Lame. unknown, uh, which is like coming as a muggle to a fancy dress party. So I've <laughs> gone with Dev Patel because you kind of sparked that in me oh. just then because I think he I would like to give him the opportunity to attempt it. But I just, I will keep saying throughout this entire process, which is so boring, but like, it, it, it's unrecastable because they were all so perfectly <laughs> cast. But if I had to, I'd, I'll go with Dev Patel for yeah, money. I like that call. I mean, I, he's very similar enough with my guy. I only really see Dev Patel in like these kind of usually, not always heroic, but usually like nice, nice kind of characters. So I'd like to see him. He's a good actor. So he, yeah. I'd, I'd be I'd I think enjoy it would be fun that. for him as well to try this mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. grayer character. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to Doctor to Doctor Alan Chamberlain, who was the kind of a no. You mustn't read from the yeah. book. British okay. Egyptologist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Adam, why don't you start us off with this one? Uh, so I went with someone who is not British. Uh, I believe he is. Got it. No, he's Irish. Uh, but so he's he's in the area. <laughs> 
So is the original. The original was Australian, so. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. I don't know if this guy would be able to do a British accent. Probably, but he's got he's got his Irish accent down. Uh, he can be an Irish. Maybe he went to uh, Trinity College and, and studied Egyptian history there or something. He's an actor I fell in love with in Game of Thrones. He's fantastic. I want to see him in so many things. He plays Davos. I went with Liam Cunningham oh. as my Dr. Alan Chamberlain. Nice. Nice choice. He 100% can do a British accent because we see him doing Game of Thrones. He does a brilliant yeah. Geordie accent in Game of Thrones, which is really hard to oh, do. Okay, yeah. That's right. He does do that. Yeah. But he's great. He's a, he's a great actor and I want to see him in so many Have more things. Have you seen A Little Princess, the 90s version? Because he plays the dad in that. And I only say that because no. it's like unbelievable to see him from the dad <laughs> in A Little Princess to the Onion Knight. Like, love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, Emily, who would you go with? I went with Lucius Malfoy himself, Jason Isaacs. Okay. Oh. Because he's like... Uh, that guy can do at, tons of things. Good at like sub-villainy. Yeah. Where he's, mm-hmm. like, riding that line. Yeah. He, yeah, great. I, I like him quite a bit. He's a really good, really strong actor. And you're right. He could, uh, he could totally do that. Yeah. Yeah, he can, great call. He could do anything. He can. Yeah, he really can. Yeah. I went with an actor that, Adam, I don't expect you to know who he is. Who he is. Uh, Emily, you might know who he is. You probably know who he is. He's done a good number of things. Uh, he was in Rogue One as one of the generals, but I know him best as the principal in the show Sex Education I went with <gasps> Alistar Petrie. Oh, nice. Good choice. I really like him as the the principal in that show and so I, yeah. I, I, I think that could translate over well into that 100%. Movie. I didn't even think about TV act. I mean, everyone's a TV film actor nowadays, but no, that's a solid <laughs> mm-hmm. choice. Oh, good. I'm glad you and you. I'm glad you liked it. So. <laughs> I, I I don't recognize the guy. Um, I love Rogue One, but yeah, I have not. I don't recognize him even from that. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll trust you on okay. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Ardeth Bay, which I believe was the actual uh, from the original Boris Karloff movie. Ardeth Bay was the name he went as when he wasn't Imhotep. Yeah, I think that's where it actually comes from, which is an anagram of Death by Ra. Oh. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, uh, Emily, why don't you start us off with this one? Okay, I have two choices, one I prefer over the other, and I only went with two because the first one I was like, oh, so obvious, because I was trying <laughs> desperately to keep with the nationalities, and Ardeth Bay is meant to be Egyptian. In the original movie, he's played by an Israeli, so it's, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, I tried to go with an Egyptian, and of course, we only really know, I went through a whole article of Egyptian actors. You only know one of them. Mm-hmm. He's too young. So you got to wait 10 years uh, to give it to Rami Malek. Uh, uh-huh. um, otherwise, you can possibly give it to Lin-Manuel Miranda, but like only if you're going for a certain vibe because he's a bit too chillaxed mm. for this role. Right. Also, he's not Egyptian. <laughs> he's, he's Hispanic. Yeah, yeah he's Hispanic. Uh, I, I almost yeah. cast... Uh, Remy Malik as Benny. As Benny. Oh, I can see. I can see. But Remy Malik as Benny. Remy Malik's gonna appear everywhere because he's the only Egyptian actor we all know. <laughs> like, really sorry to all the Egyptian actors out there. I'm sure you're wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Remy Malik better for for Benny than I do uh, for Ardeth Bay. Yeah. So for me, I actually did a little bit of uh, gender bending for this okay. one because um, I, I we needed somebody who you know I mean you need someone kind of got to be good looking 
but they got to be badass at the same time. Oh my god, I'm so excited because I very nearly gender bent this role, and then I have a very good reason as to why I didn't gender bend any roles, which I will talk about okay. afterwards. But I'm so excited to see who you're about to say because I wonder if it's exactly who I've got written down. Okay, um, so I went with this woman who Adam, you and I have talked about her before. Um, she's badass. She's done a lot of action movies mm-hmm. and. It's a little bit of a throwback because she was in the re- Mummy remake, but I'm going to forgive her for that because she's such a good actress. I went with Sophia Butella. Fair, fair, fair. No, no, no. I mean, she she was the mummy in that one. Yeah, she was the mummy. I don't blame her for that. So. Can I no. interject with my like, reason yes, I didn't gender bend? please do. So if I was going to gender bend, the only gender bending I was going to do would have been Ardeth Bay because I was like, that could be a culture of like like the Amazonians, like the Medjai mm-hmm. could have been all women and that could have been justified. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have put Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, okay. as Ardeth Bay. Because oh. you're right, she used to be hot and also super badass and cool. Uh, I like your choice. It's nice. Um, the reason I don't think anyone... Unfortunately, it sucks because, like, it's annoying that she's the only woman. But the whole her whole subplot relies on the fact that she is a woman and she's being stopped and pushed down because of that reason. Mm-hmm. If you then put another woman in any other power role, it completely undermines her subplot. We're going to see this in Artemis Fowl where Holly is going to be a woman in the like fairy police and the whole her whole subplot is that she's not treated seriously because she's a woman by making judy dench the character that should have gone to danny devito completely undermines that entire subplot and all of her power and pushing has gone now because a woman is already in a position of power i don't know how well you guys know artemis fowl but like that's the kind of vibe Mm. and that's not even my opinion that goes to flo venom shout out to her for pointing that out but it just when you have someone who usually from the 90s whose whole existence is based on the fact that I'm a woman and I'm suffering because of that and I'm pushing and I'm progressive because I'm a woman and everyone else is a man to put any other woman anywhere else undermines that subplot entirely and I feel that that's here in The Mummy where she's not being allowed into the Bainbridge Scholars because she's a girl basically and so if Mm. you make anyone else a girl it's like oh well she's clearly just not being let in because she's a piece of shit and we don't like it i don't know like there's like a whole other bunch of reasons suddenly as to why she's she's not allowed in but that other woman was whereas ardith bay because he's separate Mm -hmm. or she's separate that's the only character i was like could be a woman Okay. Uh, I see that Artemis Fowl is coming out this year. Is that based on a, on a novel? Yeah, it's uh, by an Irish author, Ian Colfer. Okay. I might have to check that out. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Oh, wait. Uh, Adam, did we get yours? No. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Don't forget about me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> John. That being said, I do. I like your your uh, your choice, John. She's, she is beautiful and dangerous, much like the original yeah. actor for Ardeth Bay. Uh, all right. I went with uh, an Egyptian actor. He's a TV actor now, uh, but actually he has done the movies. He was in the movie Allegiant with um, What's-Her-Face, Shalane Woodley, uh, and some other stuff. So somewhat action stuff. He's uh, in the show FBI, um, so he's got some action things there. He's a good-looking dude. He's Egyptian, and that's what I wanted wanted to stick to. I wanted a good-looking Egyptian to stick with uh, for my artist base, so I went with Zico Zaki nice. as mine. He's a good-looking dude. Oh, he's got a kind of yeah, a menacing face, dude. too. Oh, that's that's a good pick. Exactly. He's menacing. He, I think he's fairly built, or he can be get fairly built yeah. like um, like an Ardeth Bay need. He's tall. He can be menacing. Yeah, so. If, if Marvel has proved anything is that anyone's body type does not mean they're permanently that body type. <laughs> yeah, true. Very You need true. someone to get swole, they can get swole. They absolutely. All right. Uh, speaking of swole, let's move on to Emotep. Emotep, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, did you, did you get like a real jacked emotion? <laughs> she just boom. You get like yeah, I went with the rock. Mr. No, Olympia. no, I didn't go with the rock. You went the rock. Oh no, this is scorpion. <laughs> No, uh, I had a little bit of a tough time with this one, but ultimately I settled on uh, someone I think I was happy with. He came into my into my mind because we recently uh, started going through all of the MCU Marvel movies with our kids, starting with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And in Iron Man, uh, I really liked him as the bad guy. I went with uh, Ferran Tahir, uh, who Ooh. plays. Oh God, what does he play in that? What is the? I, I forget what the character's name is, but he's the he's the first mm-hmm. bad guy that Iron Man has to escape. Oh, nice! I see it. Yeah, I can totally see it. Yeah, he is good. He was good in, in Iron Man. I also remembered him from Star Trek. I mean, that was about 10 years ago, but... Yeah. I don't. I, I think he'd be fine there. All right, uh, Adam, who'd you go with? Uh, I'm all for that one. I went with... I uh, wanted to stick with another Egyptian actor. Um, this guy, uh, he's done some different action stuff. He, I think it was the bad guy. I never saw the movie Lucy, um, the Scarlett Johansson oh, yeah. one, but he was in that. And he's done... He was in Syriana as well. And he's got the look that I want for my Imhotep. I think, I think he... He definitely looks like he'd be menacing. He's not swole, um, but I don't. I don't need my Imhotep to be swole. But I think. I think he will be play a fairly similar, like straightforward uh, mummy, kind of like Arnold uh, Vosloo did. Um, I went with um, Amir Waked. Yeah. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but yeah. uh, it's Amr Waked. Yeah. Uh, but he's good. I've seen him before in different stuff, and I can't like place it. But I know, like, okay, he's he's go- he's gonna have. He's what good. Do you see Lucy? I did not see Lucy, but I, wasn't he the villain in that? No, movie? actually, he plays a good guy. Oh, he plays <laughs> oh, a good guy, guy in that okay. movie. Actually, he plays a Frenchman in that movie. Okay, um, but uh. no, no, he's a, he's a good actor. I actually did look at him, um, but ultimately didn't okay. didn't go with him. But he is a he is a very good actor. I, w- I would not uh, be cool. upset about seeing him on mm-hmm. the cast list. And I like I like that you nailed the nationality. Good on you. You're a better person than me. I was like <laughs> scrolling through this article and I was like, I only know Rami Malek. Like I'm out. Like I'm really sorry, you guys. I don't watch enough TV. <laughs> Um, so for my Imhotep, I went for, and because I was like, I was really trying to match the ages as well. Something I really like about this movie is that mm. they get older people in. And nowadays you don't like, obviously Tom Cruise is like 412, but everyone <laughs> else in the movie is like 21. Like, fuck that. No, like everyone is like 30 plus And like, as mm. they should be, because people need life experience to go through these things. So I was looking for people in certain age brackets. So for my Imhotep, I wanted um, Kieran Hines, who you may know from Harry Potter. Yeah. You may know from Game of Thrones. You may know from literally everything in existence because I wanted to get them character actors in. Um, The complete wrong nationality, but... This is like a fan thing, so like it's fine. No, for he's like a Tumblr post. he's an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. And I wanted someone scary, yeah, um, who's like could be sexy at a push, but like isn't ultimately. I actually really loved him in the movie The Sum of All Fears. Nice. I don't know if you've ever seen that one? Uh, he's really good. He actually plays the the Russian president in that one. He's really really good in that. Amazing. I love him. I think he's brilliant and best tell. All right. So now we're on to Jonathan. Yes, Jonathan. All right, Adam. Why don't you start us off with Jonathan? I wanted someone who I got to keep. I'm keep obviously Evelyn and Jonathan are siblings. I don't think these two look perfectly like siblings but granted i didn't think john hannah and and rachel weiss look like perfect <laughs> siblings either but someone who still has some of that comic relief who can do comedy uh someone who but also has to you know be straight and just an overall overall really good actor um so i went with a guy who is a fantastic you see him in so many different things now from all different walks of 
uh, of style of movies between um, intense drama to indie type of film to you know some of the biggest blockbusters. Uh, he's been in the the recent Star Wars films. He's um, General Hux or Admiral Hux, mm. um, and there's some comedy stuff that they have with Admiral Hux in that. But I love this actor, and I just want to see him in so many damn things. I went with uh, Dom Hall Gleason, yeah. I love um, it. son of uh, Brendan Gleason. I think he he would do exactly what I want. Nice. That's a good pick. That's good. He's a good actor. Okay. Solid, solid choice. Um, I was the same. I wanted someone British uh, that I tried to match mm-hmm. up with my Evie. Um, someone that could do comedy and and also someone that could have that upper classness because they're fucking rich as fuck. Um, so weirdly, I went with someone who made his fame by playing like a very working class character, uh, and then I gave him a backup who <laughs> won't be good, but like also kind of will because like he's not great, but like he tries so hard, and I just want to reward him for that. So my main pick was Taron Egerton, who you might know from Kingsman. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, or or the latest Elton John movie. And then my backup was weirdly Daniel Radcliffe. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I, th- I think I like Daniel Radcliffe better. Yeah. He's gotten he's done some like comedicy stuff recently, and yeah, yeah I just feel uh, he'd have yeah. such fun with the role, and he perhaps wouldn't be as comically perfect as John Hanna, and possibly a bit too young for the role because John Hanna was the same age as. Imhotep in this movie mm-hmm. and I really wanted to keep that because I love the maturity that you feel that you get with these older movies and I'm sick of seeing 16 year olds all over my screen but like yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright well you are you may not like uh, who I chose for my Jonathan and my Evie because I went a little bit younger like maybe about 4 or 5 years younger <laughs> so not not totally younger. Like my my Jonathan is still in his 30s but he's probably not, not he's more uh, like early to mid 30s instead of later so mm-hmm. i went a little bit younger with them and so this actor you definitely know him you know him from game of thrones but what actually sold me on on him for jonathan was his performance in jojo rabbit uh and i went uh. with uh, alfie allen oh nice i like that call that's good a good call choice. yeah that's fair I mean, he play, he's pretty good at playing sort of the awkward character anyway, uh, yeah. Theon, but I, I really liked uh, I really liked his performance in Jojo Rabbit, and I think that's what sold it for me for that. Nice. Good choice. All right. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right, so Evie. Uh, Emily, why don't you start us off with Evie? Evie was impossible to cast. I have cast <laughs> it, but it was impossible because Rachel Weisz is perfect, and I feel like I have to have that as a disclaimer. So I went with the new up-and-coming. She's a little bit young for my liking. But she's proven herself time and time again as a phenomenal actress, and she's British, and I feel that she would get the character if she were given the 1999 script. I went with Florence Pugh. Oh, okay. I did look at her. I did look at her. I did. Mm. Ultimately, I didn't choose her though. But she's a. I've she's seen a good her actor. in enough things now that yeah. I'm like, you've earned your place in my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I uh, not seen her in anything. I have no idea. Wow, you not seen Little Women or Midsummer? Uh, my Little Woman is the PBS <laughs> from the '90s Little Women. Um, that's the only one I will watch. Ever uh, Winona Ryder. Uh, if she, I don't remember if she was in it or not. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I watched it with my mother, um, and we we enjoyed okay. it. But then I probably forgot it. Uh, yeah, she is a female actress, and I bet she is good. So she is. She's wonderful. And for the record, Adam, yeah, it was it was the one with Winona Ryder. <laughs> okay, there we go. Thank you. Actually, there are a lot of man, there are a lot of people. I'm just looking at the cast list of that. There are a lot of people in that movie. Kirsten Dunst, Claire Danes, Christian yeah, Bale, Eric Stoltz, Sarah Sarandon. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Okay, who are we on? 
I don't. I just don't remember it being that star powered. But granted, I was mm. a kid right. and I don't. Yeah. I just didn't know. You didn't all know who anyone is when you're like nine. Yeah. Okay. So for my Evie, uh, I went with uh, an actress who's been really big. Um, she's mostly known for one particular franchise that's been very divisive. However, I really loved her in the movies, and I loved her character. And so I, I and I think she kind of works she's a little bit younger but not by too much she's in her late 20s so i think it could still work i went with daisy ridley oh <laughs> <laughs> emily does not like that at all sorry i was like i was waiting for the inevitable amelia clark which like i could deal with <laughs> but you went with the wooden piece of furniture <laughs> that's unfortunate to lead your action adventure comedy romance horror that's really unfortunate <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. think she was that bad. <laughs> All right, Adam, who who did you go with? Let's let's get out of this. That's, apparently, I've dug a hole. I like Daisy Ridley. I think Daisy Ridley is adorable, and I'm sure she could do it. So I will give you props on okay, that. Okay, thank you. And I'm okay. just I'm frantically looking up the Little Women <laughs> thing because it's not the one you talked about. Oh, okay. It, mine was a PBS. Oh, like a TV version. TV miniseries. Yes, it's a TV miniseries oh, okay. uh, that we watched. So, and I think it, I think it aired on your BBC One, if you <laughs> your, will. Your BBC One, I love it. <laughs> BBC One, yes. Maybe the only one for me now is Greta Gerwig. So, okay, that's that. Uh, all right, I went with an actress who is the, I think right now is the exact same age Rachel Weiss was uh, when she was twenty nine. Yeah, exactly. And I believe this actress is twenty nine right now. She'll probably turn thirty later this year. I, I went through a couple different people at first, and I couldn't get it. And then I, I found this person. I was like, Oh, you know what? You're perfect for it. And it's even funny because you called Rachel Weiss basically Hermione before she was Hermione. I went with Emma Watson as my Evie. Yeah. Fuck you. That's a great call. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? You said that. It's a great call. Do you two hate the mummy? Do you two hate the character of Evie? Yeah. Why have you done this no, to me? A, the two people that I was like, absolutely not. Like, if anyone is going to do it, Lindsay Lohan is going to do it before Emma no Watson. No, 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 no. Emma Watson is an absolute icon. She is a gem of a human being. She is a delight and she's a brilliant political activist. An actor, she is not. You need your Cambridge footlights for this role. You need your fucking drama school diva for this role. You need a brilliant actor for this role. And Daisy Ridley... You need Leviosa, not Leviosa. No, that is this person. Maybe when she was 12, she could do this role, but she's gotten so wooden. And while we're talking about wooden, Daisy Ridley is right up there. Like, I cannot with you two. How could you? I, I stand by my call. All right, I you think it's a great choice. Day. It's still wrong. <laughs> God, I love this. I so can't much. believe this. Man. This is so awesome. I feel betrayed. Ridiculous. So many British actresses. To at least from. we picked. At least we picked British actresses. Yeah. I mean, by this point, I I am shocked that none of you came up with Amelia Clark. She was right there. I I don't think she's any better. Yeah, I don't think she's like, any better. Honestly. Yeah. Have you seen Terminator Genesis? Oh, wow. That's wow. off her acting. Uh, bad. <laughs> Have you seen all of the Star Wars movies? 
movies and all of the Harry Potter movies. Like, and I, I saw, I saw uh, uh, Solo, and she was this bad is, this is in that like, one this too. This is why we need to reach out to those actresses that are genuinely good at acting <laughs> and not good at like getting a box office draw. Like, let's move away <laughs> from the people that have like star-studded names and get in with the people who are like good actors. Honestly, because they're women, you think you can just put like a lampshade in a dress and just like call it a day. Can I say that I think Emma Watson is legitimately right for this role? Legitimately. She'd be so wooden. She would be so, I don't know, maybe I'm overreacting too quickly. I don't know. It's not something I tend to do. She 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 acted next to your girl in Little Women that recently. Yeah, and she was the worst thing about it. And the only reason it worked is because she had about seven minutes of screen time. Like, you give this role to Sasha Ronan, that's a whole different ball game. Like, that's legit. She's an actress. Uh. She can act. You give this role to Kira Knightley, it'd be done better than if you gave it to Emma Watson. And Kira Knightley refuses to show her tongue when she acts. Like <laughs> Oh my god! Really? Yeah, Darcy you can kind of see it. You can kind of see it. She grits her teeth. A lot. Why does she? Why does she refuse? Why does Everything she, her she possibly ever says in a movie is done through clenched teeth, Mister Darcy Jack Sparrow. <laughs> but like, that oh is true. my god, it's hard because unfortunately this highlights that like we don't know our female actors and. <laughs> oh my god! I I know. <laughs> I made a good call. I made a good call. I'm happy with my call. You were like, who's a woman in a movie? Malibu. No, that's not. I, I, I'm joking. Emma, Emma was the, the fourth choice that I had, and I and I wasn't happy with any of the ones before, and then I got to Emma, and I was like, you know what? Yes, 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 yes. You even said. You, you yes. compared Evie to, to Hermione yeah, before. Yeah, I compared the character of Hermione Granger, not the acting of Emma Watson, to that of Rachel Weisz. Like, oh, my God. Who, create, like, who, who embodied that Rachel character? Rachel Weisz is an Oxbridge graduate who is a phenomenal Oscar-winning actress. This is why I had to go with Florence Pugh, because there are very few women of that age that are showing that amount of actual talent and not just box office draw. Because this character, the reason The Mummy works is because they picked excellent actors. They didn't just pick people that were gonna get bums on seats. And I adore Emma Watson for reasons beyond reason. But when it comes to acting, do not entrust her with it. Are you trying to tell me that the whole reason that they picked Daisy Ridley for Star Wars is because she was a draw? Yeah, she was nobody. She, I know what you're trying to say. She, you know why she got picked? She got picked because she could cry on cue. And I'm bitter about it because like <laughs> being a good actor doesn't mean that you can cry on cue. Like that's not what makes a good actor. Um, and she got picked because she can cry on cue. And she's like, she got picked because she was androgynous and they were going to entrust the Star Wars franchise into a female lead. So they had to make sure that she wasn't too woman-like. <laughs> and like... Oh, she seems she seems pretty female to me. <laughs> but do you know what I mean, though? Like, she could have been a lot more female. What does that mean? What does that mean? That sounds sexist. <laughs> You're sexist. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. Like, she just... All right. Well, let's let's wrap this up with Rick. Maybe maybe Adam and I can redeem ourselves in your eyes. Maybe. Uh, no, she's gonna hate. <laughs> she's gonna hate my Rick. All right. Well, then why don't you start us off, Adam? I'll start us off. Um, at first, there's one obvious choice, but he's a little older than I want, so I'm not going with him. And and I don't know. I'll mention him later in case anyone else picked him. Um, I wanted someone who was in that 
early 30s. Brendan Fraser was also right around like 30 when uh, he was cast in this, maybe 31. So I wanted someone similar aging. Um, I kept going through random people and I was like, no, you're British, you're British, you're British. I don't want a British doing an American accent. Yeah. Rick is so American that I want him, I wanted an American on this. Yeah, he's a box office draw, but I don't give a fuck. He's, I, I actually want him to probably get a little bit fatter than he is right now because right now he has 0% body fat and he looks really good. And I keep casting him recently, but I, I'm, I'm fucking hooked on this guy. I think he, he's got the chops for action, the chops for comedy for this. Put a little bit of body fat on him, and he not, he's not rock hard, and I think he'd be a great Rick O'Connell. I went with Zac Efron. I can see that. I mean, I can see where I'm you're coming from. I'm genuinely so impressed. <laughs> okay. I was like... Oh, oh I thought you were going to tear me <laughs> up on that one. Honestly, the person I'd written just now, I was like, ooh, or that person. Because I completely agree. Mm. He's perfect. Oh. Um, I thought you were going to go down the Chris Pratt route, and I would have had to have found a way to like throw something at you through the Yeah, that, that was the obvious one. That was the one That was the one that I said is the yeah. obvious choice. It's so choice. obvious, and it would fucking suck, because Chris Pratt <laughs> is the worst. So, but, God, God, do you hate Guardians? Those are great. Those are two really good movies. Hating an actor does not mean you hate a movie. I don't like what Chris Pratt has become <laughs> since he became fucking famous and hot. Um... <laughs> I love it. Great choice. I okay. am on the same lines. I was like a 30-year-old who we know can be funny and we know can be action-y and like has that Brenda F- Brendan Fraser vibe. I think Zach Efron is an excellent call. I went with someone who Stephen Summers then went on to cast. I didn't even realize until you mentioned it earlier. He went on to cast in another one of his movies as a main character of his, which kind of goes to show that he fits the Stephen Summers vibe. Channing Tatum. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah. Because you think of him in like Hail Caesar as opposed to like G.I. Joe. Yeah. That sort of tongue in cheek. We've had, there's been, we've had multiple discussions where these two guys, both Zach Efron and Channing Tatum, they're in the same category where they started off, they were just douchey kind of guys. Yes, they were just the hot douches. And then they've both grown into really comical like they they know that they were jokes you know and, yeah. and they and they they're 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 totally fine with making fun of themselves and but they're still hot <laughs> they're still they've become better actors because yeah. of all that and so yeah I, I like i like him too i think zach efron's a better call than channing tatum but channing tatum channing tatum I, is a good yeah, call yeah i only just thought of zach efron i would i think i would change mine to zach efron if if i like if i could okay but um, I'd written Channing Tatum because I was like, yeah, he's that perfect mix of, yeah, tongue-in-cheek, aware of themselves. Yeah, they're similar. Very similar, like, um, paths that they've taken. Uh, all right. Well, shoot. I don't know how you guys are going to feel about mine. I did not go with Zac Efron. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, the very first name I wrote down was Chris Pratt, and then I decided I didn't want of that. Of course. Um, and then I went through a couple of other actors. Um, I thought, actually, uh, about Anthony Mackie. Oh, he's Who's good. That? Yeah. He's got all that comedy stuff too. Good yeah, shit. Um, yeah. Ultimately, I ended up not going with. Uh, him. Uh, he's, uh, he's he's the, the Falcon, Falcon in, in, uh, in the MCU yeah, the Marvel movie. Nice. So I went with another actor who's done some superhero movies. Um, he's pretty funny, but he's done uh, uh, some other stuff. He was on a, a fairly popular TV show here called Chuck. I went with Zachary Levi. Oh, okay. Talk about wooden. <laughs> uh, uh, no way. <laughs> I saw Shazam, and that movie was was garbage. Yeah. Um, not garbage. It wasn't. It wasn't good. Everyone said they liked Shazam, and I thought his acting was blah. I thought the movie was blah. 
Chuck Chuck is a fun show. So like maybe maybe ten years ago he would have been good. I, I I don't I don't love it, but I can I can see where you got there. Okay. Yeah, Fine. it's an interesting choice. Not as controversial as Emma Watson. <laughs> that was the I'll perfect take call. I'll take it. I'll take. I'll take it. I just didn't want you. I, I'm used to Adam pissing on my choices. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm here used now. to that. <laughs> uh huh. Um, All right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you just need that sort of all-American hero without being an all-American mm-hmm. hero. I think is the vibe that you need to get for Rick. And I like Zachary Levi because he's not. Because the one of my the first thing I wrote down was any of the Hollywood Chrises, and then I was like. <laughs> No, because even Chris Hemsworth, A, isn't American, and B... Well, I think I think Chris Evans, ten, that 10 years ago, Chris Evans would have been a great call. Yeah, like Fantastic Four Chris Evans. Yeah, like I was going to say like Scott Pilgrim, yeah. Chris Evans, that kind of stuff, you know, like he, he's he's got the good looks, he's got comedy. The, uh, all, the, yeah. all the stuff and the good comedy stuff with it. But yeah, yeah, so similar stuff. But yeah, all right, I'm fine with it, John. I'm not going <laughs> to... Won't, I won't hate on Zachary Levi. All right, fine. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, that was our casting of a Mummy reboot. Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and Adam are joined by their friend Ben Green to talk about Dr. Dre's The Chronic. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back.